Hey, hey, hey. Hey-o. Welcome to episode 74 of Michigan Brews. Uh, we're going to be talking about packaging today. So, so exciting. Bottling and kegging and all the other things. I thought we were talking about packages, oh, which I'm is sorry, why I'm wearing man. a Speedo. Damn, I'm uh, so sorry. I'm sorry. Well, that's okay. Yeah, that's we're, for the after show. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're happy to have you here anyway. <laughs> You're a knowledgeable guy. For those listening on the podcast later, uh, Jason's not with us tonight, but we have Tim Wickland, the head of the, the Lager Boys division of the Keepers of Craft Homebrew Club. Uh, uh, yep. Vice Basically, president of the club, president of the Lager Boys. Um, you know, I uh, I just made it happen because I was so enthusiastic about it. Now it's a thing. So, <laughs> what uh, we we Tim, I don't know if you've have you been on the show with us before. I have not. I have okay, uh, hey. com- commented awesome. many times. This is my my virgin journey with yes. you guys. Wow. Well, all right. Well, welcome. Uh, mm-hmm. What do you, what are you drinking tonight? I am drinking uh, a Doppelbach that I made. Um, it's called Burninator after Trogdor. So. But it's pretty, it's a, pretty good. It, if you if you had to give that beer a uh, a score on appearance, uh, <laughs> uh, what was? Well, I don't know. I would say I mean it's still got it's still got a little head. It's it's uh you know I got a little chill haze here. Oh, there we go. There's my camera. Um, but I would say probably about a zero. Yeah, a zero totally. Out of three. Can can you go, can you go <laughs> negative on points? Maybe we'll have to. I sh- we should be, we should introduce that. We should lobby for that. Be JCP. <laughs> The uh, uh, Siciliano's homebrew competition uh, score sheets came back today, and and a few people had some pretty iffy comments. So, yeah, um, really, it's, uh, it's tough to get judges. You know what I mean? So it's like I don't I don't blame the competition whatsoever. Yeah. Just the just the one person. But hey, we got medals. You got a silver too, right? Mm-hmm. Found it. Found it for the silver. Yeah, dude. All mm-hmm. right. Oh, what do you got, Jordan? uh well because i'm saving everything on tap right now and i just did two brews today because i'm running low i'm 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 running with the uh oberon nice right now and then of course uh to follow it up the classic <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> you keep it on ice over there or are you just gonna kind of drink them quick enough where dude i'm weird <laughs> i don't like mind i don't mind warm beer okay. i keep the shit on my garage pretty much year round and it, <laughs> i just pull them it's I'm a weirdo. It's a lot cheaper. It is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. And you're not. You're not. I'm frugal. That's, we'll yeah. go with that yeah. instead yeah. of lazy. It's. That's fine. What about you, Brian? What are you drinking? I um, I'm running low on stuff in the keezer. I just brewed this weekend uh, a pale ale, um, but really the only thing that I have left that has like anything worth drawing a full pint of is a is a russian imperial stout oh um, so that, heavy. yeah so that's how we're starting the night over here it's uh it's i think i had it a few shows ago it's still a little bitter i don't know if that's ever gonna fade it was uh the recipe was designed to go into a barrel is that the um, the rest that you gave me a bottle yeah, of before okay maybe, yeah probably yeah, yeah. yeah i'm i'm really looking forward to that barrel we gotta talk to jason to find out when that's gonna be ready because that's gonna be yumtastic, I think. You uh, you bottled off a couple of those. Um, yes, I did. Um, he, uh, I thought I was trying to set up where any of us that bottled off just from our batch, we'd bring them and we'd share them. But Jason wants to hold off and have everybody over at his place and have a cookout. Oh. He wants us to bust those out then. Damn. So okay. We taste them all and then taste the blend before it went in the barrel because he bottled yeah. off a couple of the blend and then 
he's been bottling one off every month, I think. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. So pretty cool experiment. Well, the title of the show packaging. So, um, I, I was making some notes before the show and trying to figure out exactly how we wanted to start. Um, Tim, you had said, uh, in your, your comment, uh, to me, uh, to be on the show that you, you've <laughs> gone through some, some iterations. Yes. Um, yep. So how, how did you start uh, like bottling well, or packaging I think, or whatever? I think like anybody, I started out with just, you know, individual bottles with, uh, you know, measuring a little bit of priming sugar and throwing them in there and just letting a bottle condition, um, that got old quick. So I went into kegging. Um, but that was a steep learning curve for me. Um, I had a lot of oxidized beers for a long time. And so I've really dialed in my kegging process now, I think. Um, but now that, um, I've been doing more competitions, I've kind of had to start bottling again, which is kind of a pain in the ass, but Cause it's, it's so easy. Like this beer, I just went downstairs and filled up a howler and then I just have it in the fridge. You yeah. know what I mean? It's just so convenient, but, uh, yeah. So I keg primarily, but I do bottle off. Sometimes I use a bottling gun. Sometimes I just use priming sugar. It's whatever, whatever I have. I mean, um, I don't know if you guys have a bottling gun, but it's, they're kind of a pain in the butt to use too. Cause you got to clean them and then use mm -hmm. them and clean them and then put them away and everything. It's a, it's a process. Yeah. That's definitely something I want to get into a little bit later mm -hmm. in the show, like uh, yep. packaging off the keg and stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. Um, Jordan, you started out bottling too, right? I think we all, for the most part, pretty much started out bottling. Yeah, or did you? Did you yeah. really go right to kegging? So I, you yeah. had a keyser early. Yeah, yeah, I did. No, I, I did. I did go into kegging pretty early. I think. I think I was only bottling for a year, maybe a year and a half, uh, before I, I decided to jump into kegging. Um, but I, question for you, Tim. You said you like measuring off your sugar. Were you like inoculating bottle per bottle for your conditioning um sometimes so when i i was doing water with priming sugar boiling it cooling it putting it in a bucket racking on top stirring okay. it gently bottling that's what yeah, i was doing yeah. originally but lately i've been bottling like a six pack with conditioning so I'm, i literally have a scale and i'm just putting in however many grams of sugar <laughs> per bottle Wow. 0.13 grams or something yeah <laughs> i mean we have i've got scales but then also i've used those carbonation tablets before like mm. the little sugar tabs yeah. but um i found that they leave a sludge in oh, the bottom of my bottle and, okay uh, mm. at uh holbrook uh beer cup last year i turned in a check pills in there where i use those tablets and that was a comment i got on the sheet and then i talked to someone from kgb on saturday night so i don't remember the conversation very well <laughs> but of uh michigan homebrew fest and he was like oh yeah did you use those tablets and he talked we talked about it so i'm done with those things like unless i actually have to use them i yeah i've never used those before yeah. i the the reason i've i've never used them uh, so for those that that don't know me when, when i start to do something i i like fixate and i read all about it and i become like in my mind like as much of an expert as i can before i even start doing something because i hate getting things wrong yes. and i hate wasting money um and so uh, even before i started brewing my own or my my first beer i was like i don't think i'm going to use carbonation tablets because you can't control you know like the, the weight you can't measure out exactly how much is in a tablet 
I mean, you can shave stuff off the tablet or whatever, but like, yeah, but that's yeah, a lot of work. You, you can't control yeah. your carbonation if you're just dropping tablets in. Yeah. That's because Brian is such a perfectionist. He'll be like, <laughs> oh, this is supposed to be 2.3 volumes, not 2.5. Well, you probably like, wanted it more carbonated. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. yeah, he'll be able to throw one and a half tablets in every bottle. I, uh, I showed Tim this on my Siciliano score sheet today. Uh, one of the comments, uh, from one of the judges overall was could use more carbonation i'm like son of a bitch what like, that's, no i'm like isn't that something i, I would expect from you <laughs> i know <laughs> but um yeah let's let's uh let's talk about like bottling first um maybe some of the advantages disadvantages and then we can move on to kegging uh maybe some of the advantages disadvantages there um and then like packaging for competitions, like bottling off of uh, the keyser and stuff like that, different tools for that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So, Sounds good. I mean, obviously bottling is the way that most people are going to start. Um, I, <laughs> I was so fed up with bottling. I think after like my third batch that I, I got, I moved right into kegging. Um, and the only reason I did that is because I knew Jordan here who already had a keyser and my friend Mike Burns already had a keyser. Um, and it was, it was a daunting task, but, um, yeah, well, I think Burns jumped into kegging before I did even. He did. His dad like, yeah, helped him he build was... one, I think. Yeah. But, um, so besides it being so much, you know, so much of an, of an entry level, uh, easy way to get started, uh, carbonating beer. Um, what do you guys think are some other like advantages of, um, of using bottles to like to start with? Like Tim, do you do you have any um, for those like six bottles that you bottle right off of your batch? Do you notice um, any differences, good or bad? Oh yeah, so um, I mean, I I can perceive a difference between a forced carb beer and a, a naturally carbonated beer. Um, in my opinion, like, and this it could be totally wrong. And it, it, you can might be able to set a triangle test in front of me and I would totally blow it. <laughs> yeah. But it just feels like naturally carved beers have like almost like smaller bubbles, like not like nitro, but like it, it's like, it's more of a, I don't know, the, the finish is a little different on it, which I mean, you guys have had Firkin beers, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, and that's, that's carved in the keg, you mm -hmm. know, naturally. Yep. And, and that has a, a little bit of a different finish to it. So that's, that's one thing I noticed. And do you think that's like a good thing or a bad thing or maybe like style to style? I think you it's have a, a preference. Thing. Okay. It's just no, like, it's just, okay. it's just a thing. I mean, um, I think I'd probably prefer it in like a brute or something, mm -hmm. like a brute IPA, something you want to be really clean. I mean, I, I brew mostly lagers, probably people probably can't tell, but, uh, <laughs> um, you know, I do those for the most part and those tend to be clean beers too. So it's fine. But like this one right here was forced carbed and it's, I think it's delicious. So mm -hmm. I, I got no qualms, you know. I, uh, I know there is people in the, uh, I don't know. There, there's so many like little different communities in homebrewing, but there's there's a, a faction of homebrewers that um, bottle condition like their Saisons and their like uh, farmhouse ales and wild ales and stuff like that because, um, they feel like the the foam is like far better afterwards, and so I think it would uh, make sense if a, if it had like a you know a finer foam that produced more like rocky head or something like that. You know, mm -hmm. the, you see those pictures where it's just like it looks like a big thing of soap, 
Uh, yeah, it's like right on top of the beer glass and just like doesn't go away. Yeah. Um, so actually, um, there's a brewery over in Union Pier, which is kind of between um, New Buffalo and Sawyer. So right in Berrien County on the corner there called Seeds. And yeah, they do yeah. um, they do Czech style beers. And when they pour a beer, it's got this giant like foam, but it's like almost like cream on top. And I'm That's pretty cool. sure he uh, he naturally carbs all their beers in, in their um, in their their unitanks. Like he sponges. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, cool. I think I think they do, and it's. I mean, he makes good beer too, so it doesn't hurt. But, um, but yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure that's what they do. Oh. Uh, I went to a brewery in Denver recently that, um, they had a beer called Eight Minute Pills because it took eight minutes to pour it. Because Holy it shit! Had, <laughs> yeah. Wow. It was like beer stat lager house or something in Denver. So. Is it just because it's like a a slow pour? That like it was just because it or... just had that crazy thick foamy head just like what you were kind of talking about and they would have kind of like have to like pour it and like yeah like over over time just pour okay. it and they were using like kind of like you know pills or flute style glasses and stuff yeah. so that was pretty cool but i was almost halfway done with my pint of hellas before connie even got her beer <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. well it's cool um it's cool so potentially better head. Um, there's obviously the cost associated with bottling. I mean, bottling's cheap, right? I mean, a yeah. case of empty bottles is like maybe fifteen dollars, depending on where you get it from. Uh, to bottle condition, all you need is like table sugar, uh, a capping uh, wing capper is you know caps under, are cheap under twenty bucks. Caps are super cheap. Yeah. Um, so the the cost is definitely there. I think my kegging setup was like. I mean, if you include all of the hardware and the freezer and everything for the very first buy, at least a thousand dollars, you know. Oh yeah. oh yeah, I mean, yep. So you, you find cheap kegs and they're thirty, they're still thirty or thirty-five bucks. I mm-hmm. mean, that's yep. So you can buy three cases of bottles for that, you know. Yep. Um, there's also a, a little bit of like oxygen scavenging that happens when you bottle condition as well right because the yeast yes. tend to scavenge that at least a little bit um yes. as they ferment and maybe reproduce just a little bit and yeah and do their thing so um I, probably not enough for something like a new england ipa and that's like one particular style i want to go into later as well um but probably enough to like prevent oxidation in like you know most loggers or Yep, um, I would agree. You know, malt forward styles or something like that. You think? Um, whereas, you know, if you're if you're bottling uh, a beer right off of a keg, uh, you sort of have to purge the bottle uh, with CO two first. Uh, get the beer in there a little slowly so it's not foaming up all over the place. Um, it was all sorts of tips and tricks and equipment uh, that we can yep. talk about. You know, when, when we talk about kegging and stuff like that. But yeah, um, I would say I would say you're you're if you bottle condition you've got a larger uh, margin of error because like you said it, they do scavenge for oxygen so oxidation is as much of a problem when you're bottling and you've got the yeast still working you know if 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 you already are bottling off of something that um you know has a spigot so the second issue and the real big issue i think that most people run into when they bottle um if they're only bottling is that they're usually not fermenting in the same vessel that they're bottling out of. So you're taking your beer of your primary fermenter 
you're racking it over into a uh, you know a secondary vessel that has a spigot or something like that where you uh, and that's where you mix in your sugar because you don't want to you know stir up your tube and stuff like that into the beer and uh, and that whole process of having the fermenter over racking it uh, having it open the entire time you are uh, putting it into bottles that's all oxygen exposure yeah um, yeah no potential. You could purge everything if you had enough CO2. I mean, you're still increasing the risk. But. Yeah, but I I think that and, and when we talk about like homebrew flavor a lot, um, I I think that that's probably one of the three major sources of that flavor is uh, like large amounts of oxygen exposure while packaging yeah. um, that uh, water quality and fermentation health, I think, are the, the three big players um yeah a lot of people don't have like temperature control and right um they don't do starters um they just pitch whatever yeast and yeah so those are probably it i one thing i hate about bottling is it's just messy oh like, yeah when i yep. when i keg a beer i can i can do a closed transfer where i don't spill a single drop of beer not a single drop if I don't do a closed transfer and I use a, um, an auto siphon, you still don't spill. Like mm-hmm. you might, maybe at the end, if you get a little filled up too full and, you know, for the keg lid or whatever, but with bottling, it never fails. I always have one where I misjudge the top and while you're, you know, you're yeah. kind of pulling it off your thing and it like spills everywhere. And then you end up like, well, shit, this one's too full. And you're like pouring a little bit <laughs> yeah. from one and the other one. And then, you know, it's just. It's, yeah. it's messy. I always it bottled is. over a bucket or like a large mm-hmm. bowl or something. Cause you're inevitably going to get some sort of spillover or um, drippage or whatever. A lot of people uh, bottle over their dishwasher. They'll like pull the lid forward. And uh, so all the drips and stuff like that just go like into their dishwasher and then they can just like, you know, flip it back up. If Um, I was allowed to bring my brewing equipment into the (laughs) kitchen. um, Yeah. Um, And and I I don't mean for this to be like the shitting on bottle episode of Michigan or on on bottling episode of Michigan beers, but just like there's so many (laughs) disadvantages. At the same time, though, like if one of the first things that came to mind when you were asking like, oh, you know, what are some of the advantages or disadvantages is like the first thing that came to mind is you're never going to get away from it. Like I, I started kegging because I was like, fuck bottles. Like I don't want a bottle anymore. And now here I am, you know, I hadn't, you know, I haven't this year turned into competitions, but you always need bottles if you're going to throw competitions in, or if you're going to share beer, send beer back to people, yeah. like you oh, totally. don't get away from it. I, uh, I probably have more bottles on hand now than when I was actually bottling. I was just going to say that. <laughs> yeah. Yep, me too. I, I buy like a case a month at least probably just because I'm sending so much beer away or bottling well, off yeah. beer. Well, when I was bottling in the beginning, I would just like delabel bottles that I bought, like Bell's bottles, Sam Adams bottles. They're yep. always really easy to get the labels off of. And for competitions, everything has to be, you can't have like stamped in logos and stuff. Right. So instead of even dinking around with that and worrying about claiming them, I just buy them. And it's, yeah, I bought more bottles probably in the last year than I've, I've never, per- I think I maybe I bought some gross, gross style ones when I first mm-hmm. started out, you know, that's it, yep. you know. Well, that's even more cost savings too there, you know, buying, uh, buying beer, reusing the bottles, reusing gross bottles or the flip tops. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
No, I, That's uh, what I started out with. There was something else I was going to say too, but I, I lost my. I actually, I know two more positive things about bottling. Oh, please, I think we need more um, positive things. Yeah. <laughs> so one thing um, that I do like about bottling is I the I think the product stays good longer. So like there's beers that I've kegged before. And like you were talking about New England's earlier, like there's beers I've kegged that after a while, you're just like, oh, I've got this keg. It's, it's got a gallon left. I'm sick of this beer, you know, and you maybe you put off the side or something or, or forget about it or dump it or whatever. With bottles, if I've got a bottle sitting in a, a box, it doesn't, it's not taking up space. It's just off the side. And sometimes Yep. It's kind of fun to pull like, oh, what, what's this? And you grab a bottle and it doesn't have anything marked on it and you pop it and you're like, oh, this is awful. <laughs> yeah. Or this is really delicious. What, what was this? You know, so it's one of those things. So I think, I think bottling is nice because beer, it's easier to store, I think, long term. Mm-hmm. It lasts longer, stays carved. I mean, yeah, you can run into oxidation after a few years or whatever, but um, I think that's one good thing about it. And uh, it's again, if I, if I brought you, if like I bring work, uh, I bring beer to my work friends a lot mm-hmm. and my boss. So I'm a teacher. My boss is a principal. He is the worst about getting growlers back to me. So I, there was a point where he had seven of my growlers at his house oh my God. and I don't really care about the growlers. I care about the caps because those caps are like a buck 50 a piece. Yeah. And so he had seven of my caps at his house. I didn't have any caps anymore to bring beer to homebrew meetings. And I'm like, Jesus, well, if I bottle beers off and hand them to them, I don't give a, give a shit what happens to that bottle, you know? Yep. Like, okay, cool. Throw it away, recycle, whatever you want to do, you know? Yep. Yep. So there's two. Good job, bottles. Yeah, good job, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I'm sorry, there was somebody at my door. Um, I think they're, they're leaving. I don't know. So, uh, we've talked about bottling. I don't know. We will, I'm sure we'll come back to it, uh, especially cause we need to talk about bottling, uh, off of a keyser and stuff like that. But, um, how long did it take you guys to get into kegging before, um, you know, you, you, how long <laughs> was, was just bottling? Like ew, when did you get fed up? I guess. <laughs> immediately yeah <laughs> first time first time bottling i'm like i i don't want to do this forever it's like my back just killed crouching i mean i was younger college kid whatever and you know but still you know you spend how long it's how long it take you know to bottle up you know 40 beers or so maybe a half oh, hour or something like that but and you're you're hunched over and you're like like oh, is it just right and no fuck that i'll <laughs> took me like i said probably about a year and a half and most of that time was you know bottling beers maybe two years but bottling beers and hating it every single time while i was saving up money to buy my keyser equipment yeah <laughs> what about you tim um well i started out brewing um i started out all green one gallon kits so oh wow um one of my one of my good friends from high school got me into home brewing and he recommended brooklyn brew shop because they were kind of set up for um, people brewing and like apartments and stuff in New York City. And so I started right away with all grain and I was bottling because I'd get eight bottles 
You know what I mean? And it yep. wasn't a big deal. <laughs> yeah. And then when I bought a brew pot and started doing five gallon batches, I think I made it to batch three in five gallons before I started kegging. Cause no like, same thing with Jordan. I was like, fuck this. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I brewed one gallon batches for a good solid year before I went up to five gallons. Cause I wanted to make sure that I really liked it before I spent a bunch of money. I mean, now it's the amount of equipment I have is ridiculous, but, <laughs> but looking back, you know, I was just trying to try to hedge my best kind of like with Jordan with talking about how his wife lets him do things or not lets him do things kind of similar. Like, Oh, do I really need to spend a thousand bucks on brewing equipment? And so, yeah, I made it batch three. <laughs> of, uh, five gallon i was like all right i need to get a keg and i actually traded i got a extra uh like one of those johnson controls oh, things yeah, i traded one of those well no it was a it was a 40 dollar one oh okay. but I, I traded uh um alex from club mm-hmm. for my first keg i met him at the the temple vino and trade him for a brand new uh ballock oh that's so, cool nice uh, that's how i started kegging <laughs> Did, uh, i guess Oh, go ahead, Jordan. No, I was just gonna say, to, you know, to, to clear up because I, you know, I don't want I don't, my my wife might might tune in. It's not that she just doesn't <laughs> let me. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> I I made my basement rain once by forgetting the faucet filling up a bucket oh, or something like that once no. in my townhouse. So it's like, yeah, this is before I owned this place, but yeah. So ever since then, I had boilovers on the stove, and ever since then, it was just like no go in the kitchen so <laughs> it's my fault i could be brewing in the kitchen if i hadn't fucked up but i so, did yeah so. so yeah just to be clear also on my end because my wife might also listen <laughs> it has, it's not about what you're allowed to do it's about being considerate that's what yep. it's about I, I know Shane is listening right now. I think I think her uh, her thing is, is as long as I'm uh, winning medals and making beer <laughs> she wants to drink. That's she's very she's 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 very competitive on my behalf. Uh, she she doesn't like when I lose. So <laughs> oh, that a explains why system. she was giving me the side eye when I won uh, Keeper's Cup. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, she, no. she I don't think she was there. Um. Put in the comment out there just uh we, we normally ask what everybody in chat you know is drinking tonight there's nobody in chat i know uh, it when, when you're not in chat tonight so uh nobody else is talking so. oh well where's brandon where's ron come on yeah yeah hey, we were talking about head earlier and i was just like oh there we go <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah that's beautiful i love that what is that uh the unofficial keepers oh or oh, yeah, that, Michigan Brews. Yeah, yeah. Ron, Ron's here. Foo. What's what's Foo? What is Foo? Don't know, Ron. We're gonna yeah. call him Mule Man because that guy hooks us up with a mule. And are you are you it. being? I can't tell if you're being facetious or not. What? F you. I know. I know. So oh, I don't okay. Fuck you. I'm a school teacher, man. I don't know, man. I don't know. I'll be right back. Sometimes, uh, you know, sometimes those those old people. Thanks for clearing yeah. it up, Ron. Yeah. <laughs> we got the really, proper they, punctuation they, there. Yeah. The, the, the teacher appreciates the, the spacing and the capitalization, I'm sure. Yeah, I think, I think Timothy's still here. Oh, I think he has, uh, he has uh, his uh, air. Oh, your keys are died. Gerald, I'm so sorry to hear oh, that. Oh. What the heck? Get an F in chat. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, dude. Oh. sweet baby swirl i don't even know what that is 
Ned Sounds Anthony's like a good cinnamon friend. IPA or a cinnamon stout made with sweet baby rays. Kim, where's that? Where's that IPA from? I don't think I've heard of it before. Uh, Matt Anthony's from Indianapolis, I think. Uh, you're so you're so well versed. Well, you know, I'm an eloquent son of a bitch like Ron Henning. <laughs> <laughs> um, so kegging, uh. I think I, I I'm right there with you, Tim. I uh, got into it very early too. In fact, I specifically remember. I'm gonna I'm gonna toot my own horn here. Um, I got into it because I wanted to brew New England IPAs, and I was brewing them before like pretty much any other brewery in Michigan was like way before Old Nation was. Um, I brought a New England IPA to a keepers meeting. Everybody's like, "What's a New England IPA?" Um, and I, I didn't want to brew one until I knew that I could package it properly because everything that I read was like, don't bottle your New England IPAs. Yeah, oxidation uh, is a big problem with New England's. I, I don't know if anybody's ever had an oxidized New England IPA. Um, mo- probably about half the breweries that serve them right now uh, like <laughs> are probably oxidized. It's like, uh, even, even, oh man, but uh they they uh get sweet they get papery the uh the hop flavor kind of fades out um i'm drinking this uh all day ipa right now which was packaged on the 29th of december i I bought this thing not realizing it was four months old and even for like a regular ipa that's four months old uh you can just taste how like not fresh this is like it doesn't have there's not it's not bright anymore um it's just a little sweeter so um but new england ipas in in particular because of the ingredients they use like uh uh, usually a a good amount of oats which are sort of high in magnesium which has something to do with uh increasing the rate at which like the beer uh, oxidizes um the the hops that they use it's so dependent on like hop flavor and aroma and hops are really sensitive to um like skunking from light not that it has anything to do with packaging but um could and uh i mean it could yeah it totally could and uh you know oxygen and stuff like that that it's just a really really hard style to bottle and it's very visually um apparent more so than in other styles too when that uh, when those go bad it just you Next like time you have like a new brown. IPA, oh, totally. Yeah. Like, save, save the last couple ounces in your glass and just come back to it the next morning, and it's already a completely different it looks color. looks like chocolate milk. It's disgusting. Yeah, it's crazy. So the issue with, you know, bottling those uh, has almost entirely everything to do with getting it into the bottle somehow, getting it into a bottling bucket, then getting it into the bottle, um, swirling around you know the the sugar water solution a little bit to get that into a solution so it actually carbonates after it gets in the bottle like everything about those um well about and bottling those introduces alcohol yeah yeah i don't i don't know about you oxygen. but when i brew a new and i don't brew new england's too much anymore because i i have a hard time finishing them before they're uh while they're still in their prime um but you want to drink that thing as soon as possible. So like when I brew in New England on day 10, I'm kegging that son of a bitch. And then I'm drinking it on day 11. If you bottle condition, you got to wait a week or two for it to carb. 
And right there, you're already like, you're already on the backside of that sweet spot. You know what I mean? You're, you're already approaching that. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I, I still feel like even when I keg my new England's like about a week later, um, is, is right when it starts tasting its best. Like I, I still feel there's something about just letting it settle for just a bit. Yeah. Um, gets it there. But again, if you're bottling, sometimes that may take two, three weeks or a month or yeah. it, yeah. it's, you're, it's all dependent on the, the, you know, yeast in the bottle, which is maybe not necessarily homogenous from bottle to bottle. Um, the conditions where you're storing your bottles, uh, just the fucking temperance of the yeast itself, like whether it decides that it wants to behave or not, like, you know, it's, it's literally all, all we can do is sort of like guide, you know, yeast to do what we want it to do. Like in, at the end of the day, like, you know, there's, there's only so much science you can do. To Gentle like, nudges. On, yeah. <laughs> um, no, but I'm with you. I'm with you, Brian. Like, I feel like most, most beers uh, or basically anything that I keg, like even, even a number of my meads feel like they, they benefit from cold conditioning for a while like you know a couple weeks at least and i'm not gonna take 40 some odd beers like i don't i don't have a dedicated beer fridge where i can just take batches of beer and you know crash them in the bottles like that you know i I put it in the keg put it in my keezer and then it's cold and it's carbonating and i just forget about it and when you're doing that all your stuff suspend it goes out of you know out of suspension to the bottom and you pull that off with your first couple pints and then the rest of your keg is money well every bottle has got a little bit of that just a little bit at the bottom you know you're fighting so um you can even go so far as to install a top draw uh like device in your keg so it's pulling right off the top of the keg instead of the bottom uh i have a couple of those and like i'll i'll make a logger and I'm probably pulling off like perfectly clear beer in maybe three days max. You know, wow. it, it it works really really well, and and you know, um, it's tasting really clean too. Like it, it uh, I, I think there's something about the, the aging process that you know is also pulling stuff out of solution, um, which is part of what you know makes it taste so good. And if you're pulling off the top of the keg, uh, you know, you're really missing out on all the gunk that's it's leaving solution. You're just getting that really crisp, delicious yeah. beer. Yep. Um, yeah, sorry, I need to take a drink. Sorry, right. I got another one. I'm drinking uh, Connie's Strawberry Lemon Kolsch. Oh, nice. How, how much do you have left? Um, there's not much left. Maybe a growler. <laughs> Um, but it's been kicking around for a while. It's it's so much different now than when we first packaged it. And actually, there's another. If you want to talk about advantages of kegging, let's flavoring do it. your beer post fermentation. Oh yeah! Holy God! Coffee in the yep. keg, yum. Coffee really? beans, dry hot. Oh yeah, that's all my coffee beers. I just put three ounces of coffee in a um in a um a pantyhose. I'm just tie it off a keg lid. And then it's carved, and I just taste it. And when the, when the coffee's money, pull the bag out. I was going to ask if you pulled it back out. Okay. Yep. Got it. Yeah, I always pull it out. And then uh, uh, dry hopping in the keg. Um, but, yeah, this, yep. uh, we did, uh, she put, um, 
lemon lemon peel and a little bit of lemon juice in the boil. And then we actually just did strawberry extract right in the keg. Cool. And just wrapped on top of it. And it turned out really well. So money. Yeah, I, I that's not even something I made a note of is a flavoring in the keg afterwards, but uh, a lot of people do that. I've never uh, keg hopped before. Um, is that something you do a lot? No, okay. um, I used to. I stopped doing it because of oxidation. So yeah. okay. I had a real hard time. Um, I would even um, put the hops in a, in a bag, dip the whole bag in sanitizer, and then like um, put it like in a smaller jar and purge it in the jar for a long <laughs> yeah. time. Yeah. And then purge the dead space in the keg and pop it in there real quick and then you know psh, 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 get all the air out and yeah. it still yeah. it would still yeah. oxidize it so i don't i don't fuck around with that anymore but um i know david jones does um if you guys know brian Vlier, he likes mm-hmm. to dry hop in a keg yeah yeah um and his beers are never oxidized so that's mm-hmm. just my my nemesis is oxidation when it comes to beers i hate it so much it happens Every time I cut a corner, I oxidize my beer and I go, why'd you do that? So, well, so I, a, oh, yeah, go I, ahead. Jordan. I was going to say, I, I used to, I used to keg uh, or uh, hop in the keg uh, for a while there. I ran into issues with um, uh, the CO2 bleeds. So like, if unless you have that special lid for a ball lock that has a little, you know, hook yeah. on the inside of it, you got to run something to the outside so that way you can pull that stuff out and you yeah. know that's a, there's a gap there i i did oh god i tried fishing line floss uh all sorts really? of stuff and I, even to the point to where i was like tr- like starting to line the top of my keg with like uh with uh keg jelly mm-hmm. or whatever just to try to the figure loop, out where yeah. like yeah keg lube yeah where, where that where that leak was like i i remember i had i had two i had a uh two two beers that i had dry hopped in the keg um that i was i had i had co2 sitting on and uh yeah i i bled i bled a whole like new five pound thing of Ugh. of co2 just like and i knew i knew i had a leak i should have just pulled the shit out at the time but i was bound and determined to to figure it out and no so ever since then i'm like okay well you know i, I probably have oxidized beer now and i've lost a co2 um you know, five pounds of CO2, like, and that was just it. I'm, I'm done with it. There's, there's gotta be better ways where I can get that, get that. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. I'm so, I'm so paranoid about oxidation with dry hopping that I, I, I dry hop all my beers, like the new England's I do it at high Carlson. And I know that people say, Oh, you're hop scrubbing or whatever, but I don't care because my beer doesn't taste like fucking cardboard. So I'm right. happy with it. I, I can't, I honestly can't remember the last time I dry hopped at all. Um, I've just, I've found I got, get similar uh results just by doing or more more or less inundating at whirlpool or or doing a hop rest like you know just feel throw a few extra ounces in at that point and yeah similar results um explain what you mean by you know hop scrubbing oh so um so what people the conventional wisdom was that you didn't want to dry hop when yeast um, was still really active because the CO2 leaving your fermenter would bring like some of the compounds and oils out with it. 
and you would be basically just wasting money. Um, but I don't even know if that's true because that's how all these hazy boys that are really popular, they dry hop them at high Krausen and a lot of them dry hop twice during fermentation. Yeah, a lot of um, yeah. Yeah, the double dry hop action. So um, maybe that's not really a thing. I don't know. I haven't read anything on it or any studies. I'm sure you have. You're no, genius, I, but... I don't know. I'm not. I don't know if there are a lot of studies on that. I, I don't. I, th I think that um, studying aroma is probably pretty hard, right? Like, I don't know how you would capture. Subjective, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't. I don't know how you scientifically measure like what uh, is off gassing from a glass of beer. Or I mean, like, I'm sure there's to, a way, but yeah, you'd have to. You'd have to capture the gas and run it through some sort of chromatography or something yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah. Yep. There's a, there's a lot of people and uh, Tim, you had mentioned this a second ago when, uh, you know, purging the headspace of a keg, like filling it, pulling the PRV, filling it, pulling the PRV. There's a lot of people that are like adamantly opposed to that practice saying that, you know, it removes overall aroma from the beer in the end. And I'm just like, it's, I don't see how, you know, right. It's well, not like, yeah, how much, how much of the volume of that beer is exposed to the very top of the keg. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Right. It, that's exactly why they're a that. cylinder. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, anything that's in the headspace, it's not like it's going to dissolve if it could even back into the beer. So if it's already in the headspace and it's leaving the keg, you know, yeah, you're not gonna drink it anyway. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I don't, I don't know. There's like all sorts of. You go online and you read like these posts and people and their anecdotal evidence and stuff like that. And uh, I, mean, I mean, that's not to say that they're wrong, but it just seems funky. Well, I mean, and there's there's things that we all do because of like you said, anecdote that. Oh my god! Yeah. That we probably don't have to do. And like when you talk, when you talk to another home brewer, I mean, like we're gonna have this big brew day thing coming up pretty soon, right? Yeah. One of my most fast, the, the my favorite things is just walking around, talking to people and like, why are you doing that? And they tell you and you're like, oh, I never consider that. And a lot of times I pick things up and a lot of times I say, fuck that, I'm not doing yeah. that. You know? <laughs> yep. Well, uh, we'll be at Big Brew Day uh, over at the Rochester Mills production facility on May 21st. And there's going to be uh, some, I don't know if it's full yet, but there's slots for up to 90 uh groups of people to brew beer and uh um i've never done anything that big before but at our own keepers big brew days before just like you said you go around and not a single person there is brewing the beer uh in the exact same way uh some people are batch sparging some people are no sparging some people have these elaborate setups like uh, david jones where uh, he has all these like pvc pipes and shit and he like sets up a thing to fly sparge um, you know, some people are, uh, brewing in, in, uh, like all in one vessel and, and, uh, you know, doing brew in a bag and some people, are, you know, have igloo coolers and it's just like, it's so all over the place. Um, you know, the, so you guys are going to the, the Catalina wort mixer then? Is that what's on 21st? No, they call it big brew day. Um, it is not the big brew day that no. happens on May 7th but I think it's their version of it or in the spirit of um, they do it a couple of weeks later to draw in more people. Maybe, um, maybe they assume that like the, 
the weather be better or something. Well, or, you know, everybody is doing things with their own homebrew club on the seventh, but they want all the homebrew clubs to come together right. on a day or something. Um, but it's it's a big it's a big to do like there's I, f- I believe there's a raffle if i recall it was a huge oh. raffle um yeah. yeah yeah giant raffle it, it sounds almost like uh like like big brew day or like um shit i'm losing my my train of thought uh home, homebrew christmas uh beer cup almost sounds like beer cup but like single day and everybody's brewing that day yeah you know that's cool they're um <laughs> I can't remember what the the big prize is. I think it's a, uh, I think it's a a mash and boil. Does that sound right? Um, you guys know what a mash and boil is? It's like a like one of those all in one electric brew yeah. systems. So I think it's something like a five hundred dollar system. That's like one of the the, the grand prizes for the um, for the raffle there, which is pretty cool. Um, but yeah it should be a lot of fun and everybody brews different and it's going to be crazy. Um, if you have the 21st off, you can come. Probably not going to make it. Okay. I'm sorry. Let me talk to Connie. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. Probably not. I think the fact that I'm getting away uh, this Saturday with you guys is probably all I can manage for a while. That's all good, man. So Speaking of, uh, you know, our whole oxidation thing from a couple minutes ago, do you guys do clothes transfers? Or uh, I do not. I want to, but I don't. I've done one. Okay. And I loved it. So um, let's talk about like what a clothes transfer is, I guess, to start, like why, why people should care. So this whole uh, conversation up until this point has been like, Oxygen, 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 oxygen fucking sucks. Um, when we make a beer, uh, the fermenter is closed the entire time. Uh, unless you take it op- uh, open the lid and you know, or you're taking like hydrometer readings or something like that. But don't do that. Trust yourself. Believe in yourself. Quit opening your lid. You're fucking your beer. Um, so I mean, that's that's what gives it that special taste, though. Is fucking if, your beer. if you want to like <laughs> dip your, you know, extraneous body parts in your beer and stir it around and stuff. Yeah, I mean, isn't it? There's such a, a thing as a late a late yeast addition, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. If, that, if that's your, that's house, a different whatever, like, different show. Yeah, just uh, just don't don't let me drink your beer. But, uh, <laughs> uh, so technically, the inside of the fermenter should be pretty much O2 free by the time fermentation is done. Uh, fermentation is producing so much CO2 that it's displacing pretty much all the oxygen in the top of the fermenter, forcing it out through the airlock and is creating a nice little CO2 uh, anaerobic you know, area. Yeah, yeah. So the idea is that, okay, you have this beer sitting in a you know CO2 uh, or an O2 free environment how do I get it into my keg without exposing it to any more O2? Um, when you first start brewing and you first start kegging, you're just going to rack it into a keg. <laughs> yeah. Mm, we're we're not drinking so much beer getting yet. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, that's what I did to start, right? You, uh, you take your racking cane, you give it a few uh, pumps, and you get it into your keg, and Maybe you blow some CO2 into there and kind of pull the RV a couple of times and hope for the best. But, um, the entire time your fermenter is open, 
racking that beer, there's all this oxygen exposure still. There's all of the um, mixing of air as it goes through the, uh, the racking cane and when it like kind of splashes together at the bottom of the keg. And, uh, you know, it may not seem like a lot, but for, for certain styles, it really adds up like IPAs. Um, you know, even for like, you know, Meritzen or something like that, like a little bit of oxygen over the course of like, you know, four months later or something like that can, can degrade the quality of the beer. So the goal is as little oxygen as possible on the cold side. Um, so for those listening that, you know, don't know the difference between cold side and hot side, um, hot side, if you ever read that, it's pretty much anything that happens to your beer before uh it, my definition is before you pitch the yeast yep that sounds about right and the cold side is pretty much anything after I would, um, and I, I would say cold side happens after when once you're below 170 in my opinion okay that's yeah, when i but, tend to like when i'm brewing that's when i'm being more careful about dipping my spoon in the in the sanitizer you know what that, that's thermometer so and all that stuff yeah. like i know. I'm with you. That's actually a really, that's probably a better definition because anything that happens hot side is going to get boiled, is going to get sanitized um, or pasteurized. And then, yeah, anything that happens cold side, you need to sanitize. So I'm, that's actually a better definition. I'm, I'm, I'm good with that, Tim, for sure. It's a good thing I'm um, here. Yeah, I appreciate you, buddy. Um, so, yeah, the goal is to have no oxygen. So, so what do you do? Um, the, solution is to force beer from your fermenter into your keg with co2 or nitrogen or argon or whatever you have available you know all of us have containers of argon sitting around the basement uh this is know, something inert yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um and, and i was trying to pull a picture up, up on my phone i didn't prepare for this part of the conversation probably as good as i should have but um for most sturdy fermenters that have a uh, spigot on the bottom you should be able to do a close transfer you don't really need a lot of specialized equipment for it um let me let me talk about it let me try multitask and see if i can send a picture uh, to myself while also talking about this so the idea is generally that you want to feed some sort of gas that's not oxygen uh through the top of the fermenter to force beer out through the bottom. That beer will then travel through a tube uh, into the liquid outpost of your keg. So, you know, it's not like fucking raining down on the inside of your keg. Um, and then slowly fill your keg up from the bottom upwards. Um, you also want to purge your keg uh, to have it, you know, to make sure there's no oxygen in that keg first. So do you, do you know where I'm going with this, Tim? Yeah. So yeah. Uh, go on with that for a half second if you could. I'm going to send myself an email. So, yeah. So um, as long as, yeah, you just, uh, you should purge your keg regardless if you're doing a closed transfer. I mean, I don't know. I, I usually sanitize mine and then just fill it up with like 10 PSI uh, with lid on. But yeah, you just, you're, you make sure that the pressure in your fermenter is higher than your keg. And if you have to, you can always purge your keg because a lot of the CO2 will travel with your beer in. And um, what I, when I did it, you could see it going down in the fermenter. 
And when that started to slow down, I would just pop the keg a little bit, but I was putting about eight, eight on the, on the fermenter. And then just whatever was already in the keg, probably six or five PSI on the other one. And it went, it, it took a little while. It took longer than an auto siphon, but the beer, the first time it, it touches oxygen is when it goes in a glass. So it's pretty cool. Um, let me share my screen here. Let's see if I can do this. Uh, so the, the best way to purge a keg um, is to fill it with star sand, basically. Um, and so ignore my like dirty ass floor. But the idea is that this keg right here, for those watching, um, I filled my keg up to the very brim with uh, diluted star sand, you know, per the, the bottling instructions. Uh, put the lid on and then put gas through this keg into this bucket down here until the entire keg was empty. Uh, at that point in time, you know that pretty much the entire keg is CO2 at that point. If you're not purging it with, you know, liquid, if you're just trying to put gas in there and purge it and put gas in there and purge it, displacing it is so uh, hard or inefficient or, you know, maybe not even necessarily like, you know, 100% effective, um, that filling it with something and, and purging it out with gas is probably going to be about as good as you can do. Um, so once yeah. this egg was totally, you know, empty, aside from the CO2 that I purged all the liquid out with, um, I then uh, hooked my CO2 tank up to the top of my fermenter. This is just a spigot. Um, I have a SS brew tank, uh, brew tank, SS uh, uh, brew tank um, fermenter that I can hook uh, this tube up to either just to the uh, top of a three-piece airlock or to a uh, elbow of the um, what, what's the what's what's the word I'm looking for when you when you run a tube off into like a thing of liquid. Uh, oh, your blow off. Blow off. Jeez. Yeah, I've already I've already had too much beer tonight. But uh started with a wrist, man. I know, dang. <laughs> so you crank this up to maybe like one PSI uh, and, and you open the bottom down here. And uh, as the beer flows through, it's going in through the liquid outpost and then gas is being displaced. And I have a tube that runs into uh, that same bucket of star sand um, that I perched the keg from earlier. Um, and that way it ensures that no... Uh, no air is being, uh, you know, taken back in because the tube is pretty much 100% right into the, uh, the bucket. So, um, I do, I do want to want to point out because I think I want pictures of this up close. That output on your keg, yeah, that's a that's faucet. A, that's a that's a faucet. The this one right here. Yeah. 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 So I, I literally have a faucet connected right to a, my, uh, um, gas, my gas in, yeah, my gas, and then just I connect a tube to it. So I use the same setup if I'm taking uh, samples from some of my sour kegs. Um, I just hook a ball lock uh, post up to it, stick it on uh, one of my kegs, and just pull off a little sample of sour beer just to see how it's doing, how it's aging. Um, it works really well. Did you make that or buy that? That's genius. Uh, I bought it, but I, I think you can make it 
pretty easily. It's just a, it's like, it's basically a, it's an adapter. Yeah. It's like a zero length shank kind of <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's literally a shank that just doesn't have any like, but then like the inner diameter is like the quarter inch mm -hmm. like for a swivel. That's cool. Mm -hmm. So what's with that filter in line there? So this is actually meant for vacuums. Um, but I adapted it for brewing and they, 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 Bouncer makes something similar to this that's about the same size. Um, one side of this tubing, and so I, I normally have this full. That's I purged that with gas first. That should just be CO2 in there. But um, one side of this um, goes, uh, adds liquid outside of this um, kind of mesh inner area here. And then the other side takes liquid from inside the mesh and uh, pulls it through you can swap whatever side um i'm not sure exactly what side is hooked up to what here but the idea is that and i've, I've used this ever since uh i had issues with hop debris clogging my keg posts oh yeah it's fucking terrible i've had so many so so many issues kegging new england ipas until i started using this but uh it catches just the little bits of shit that don't cold crash out and traps them and just lets all the liquid go through to the keg. So uh, it's not even necessarily for like filtering to, to clarify. It's more just to help my transfer go smoothly. Um, ever since I started using this thing, I've not had a single problem kegging. The worst thing that's ever happened is that I had to stop my uh, closed transfer a little bit of the ways through and just rinse this uh, mesh part off and re-sanitize it and add it back on just because it kind of got clogged with gunk. But hmm. um, highly, highly recommend. So again, this is all gas down here. Uh, gas is pushing all this beer through into this you know, CO2-filled tank. Um, beer is filling up from the top, displacing the rest of the CO2 into this bucket. It's going into my basement. I'm breathing it in. It's delicious. Uh, I, have, I have plants, you know, that are that are eating it up. So, um, yeah, yeah. I, I use it for all of my beer now, uh, regardless of uh, regardless of style. Unless I'm feeling particularly lazy, and I try not to be lazy with my it beer. Happens. It does happen. It absolutely happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so the issue there, though, is that you need uh, a CO2 tank outside of your keyser, or you need to disconnect the one yep. from your keyser. So I think most people that keg have a tank that's just for just for force carving yeah. that they should have on hand. I don't. <laughs> it's really useful. Uh, I would highly recommend it, even if you just get like a spare five gallon tank or five pound tank just to have as like a utility tank that you drag around your basement or brewery or whatever. That's I've, I've been, it's on my list of things to get as, as it has been for probably a couple of years, but fermentation chamber was next, which I just got up this weekend. So nice, dude. I'm, I'm going to be actually starting to control the, the temp, not rolling oh. the dice in the basement anymore. <laughs> so more lager boys. That's oh, yeah. exactly what exactly what it is. I got a Vienna in it right now. So. Oh hell yes! That's awesome. I can't wait to try, to try that. I'll be our right back and get my beer. Yep. Yeah. No. No worries. Well, uh, while Tim goes to get that, I think 
maybe one of the things that now, now we've talked about, you know, bottling and kegging to start. Um, maybe we can talk about uh, bottling off of a keg too, and just some of the 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 tools to do that for the competitions and stuff like that. And then we can kind of wrap it after that. But um, Tim was talking about the Blickman beer gun. I think is what he uses. Um, I've I've debated on one of those for a while. So, what, Tim, do you use a uh, a beer gun? Yes, I do use the Blickman. Uh, mine's version one. I got Ooh. it from a guy, super cheap, old so, school. Yep, but it works really well. Um, I it was, there's a learning curve there, um, but you uh, but yeah, you basically just hook up uh, one post. Uh, one of those tubes hooks to your keg, to your beer out. Um, you you have to have a tank with a splitter, or you have to have two tanks. So you run CO2 to the gun, and you run CO2 to your keg that you're bottling with. And what you do is you take your bottles, and usually I just have them um, in a bucket, and I use cold sanitizer water because if the bottles are cold, they don't foam up as much. Okay. With the temperature. Good to know. Um, and I dump the bottle out right there. And then what I usually do is I run the beer gun up, and there's a button for the beer to come out, and there's a button just for pure purging with CO2. I usually put the bottle upside down and purge with CO2 a little bit because that gets some of the extra star sand out. Oh, yeah. And then okay. I flip it over and purge it for a little minute. And then once I think it's purged pretty well and the oxygen's on the bottle. You push the beer and it just, you follow it up. And then I get to the top and then I basically drop my bottling bucket or drop the beer gun into a bucket, grab a cap real fast. I cap immediately. I don't do like six or 12 at a time and then cap them all. I cap every one every time. I just have a bucket of star sand there that I can just drop the beer gun in. And then before I use it again for the next bottle, I'll purge a little bit out of the end to make sure there's no star sand at the end of it. And mm -hmm. that's, that's how I roll. Um, it's, it works really well. Um, bottles, the bottles of beer have the same carb that you had in your keg. There's never an issue with that. Um, I did run into a problem with infection though. Um, oh. So this, this Doppelbach that I'm drinking again, um, the previous batch of it, I brewed was freaking killer. It was awesome. And I had it at my Oktoberfest party that I have every year. And it was, it fucking slapped, man. It was awesome. And so I'm like, this beer, I'm going to get like, I was thinking I was going to hit like low 40s and some competitions, get some golds with it. Hell yeah. And so I, I took keg and I bottled off like a 12 pack, you know, and sent it out. And I start getting all these this feedback. Like uh, I sent it to the one up in, uh, um, oh, what's that brewery up in Stormcloud? Uh, for Stormcloud. And I got like a five out of ten. Like, oh, good try. That was like the comment. <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck? And they're like, oh yeah, seed all the hide. And I'm like, what? Like I didn't taste the seed all in my beer. And then I got back from uh, Siciliano's and I scored like a 28 and they're like, Oh yeah, you must have some kind of infection in here. And I'm like, oh, oh shit. Yeah. And I try it and I'm like, Oh my God, this is even close to the same beer. And it's because I had bottled a uh, Flanders red with it. <gasps> oh. and, 
did my normal clean routine and it wasn't enough. So I ended up throwing out all of the, the hoses and stuff that I had and replacing them. And I took the gun completely apart and I baked it. Yep. Cool. Cause mine doesn't have any plastic on it. That's the advantage of the V1. Very V2 cool. has plastic, has a plastic housing and stuff. So, oh, okay. um, so yeah. I, I baked it and killed everything and started over and haven't, haven't had an issue since, but yeah. So that made me sad. That is sad. Then my last 12 beers out of that, probably the best beer I ever made was infected. Womp. Yeah. Sorry to hear. That's all right. This one's good. It's just not as good as that batch. You know how sometimes they, you know, I think I did an actual triple decoction on my last one. And I think I pushed out and only did two on this one. (laughs) I don't think I've ever done a double decoction. I think I've done a single like a couple times ever. Well, so when the advantage of the triple is you actually step up all your temperature with it. So you're not just doing it to, for the mallard reaction. Yeah. Yeah. Like I started out. And your conversion was amazing. Oh yeah. It was, and it tasted delicious, but it went, uh, I, I just heated up everything to about a hundred and then I did a decoction and got up to 130 for the protein rest. And then I did another decoction and got up to like 145 or mm-hmm. 146. Mm-hmm. And then did another one and got it up to like 155. So I converted sugars for a good 20 minutes and then got it up. So there were some short and long chains in there, which made it a really, a really interesting beer, you know? Nice. You know. Right. Um, I did. I'll have to pick your brain on decoctions later because I've I've done it three times, but I've only ever done a single. Like, yeah, I did one today. It's, or it was just short, but it's challenging. Um, trying to hit your temps because it's that you're using that to to hit to hit zones, and it's not like it's really stupid. I don't have to do that. I I brew on a, a stainless uh, pot with a with a false bottom. So yeah. oh. if my temperature is not where I want it, I can just turn the freaking burner on. Like it's not yeah. a problem. Yeah. You know, so I don't need to do them. I just really like the, the caramely flavors and stuff I get. Like this has zero caramel malt in it. It's as caramely as a scotch ale, you know? So. I think there's something to be said for, you know, boiling the the malt and stuff like that for, you know, a little while. Yeah. It, I, uh, the, the cold IPA, that I recently mm-hmm. did, I, I did a, a single decoction on it and I don't, I don't think it had uh, nearly as any right to be as like flavorful malt wise as it, as it was um, even just using Pilsner and rice. Like it had like a, like a little bit of something going on there. Um, yeah. Like, like, like maybe through some victory or something there. Almost, yeah, yeah. Why'd you, why'd you decoct an IPA? Cold IPA, bro. You, you know, the Lager style? Boy IPA. Oh, it's an IPL, right? Well, right, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's, well, it's the new, the new fad term. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll we'll hit the style at the end of the episode. I actually um, brewed one of those yesterday. So, oh, so perfect. and I did, I did a single decoction as well. So we actually, probably the difference is hops. I think it was hops because I, I used. Yeah, what'd you use? Uh, Centennial Mosaic, maybe. And I think some some old school hop, like a, either a Cascade or a uh, or something. Yeah, something like that. I'll have to remember. Yeah. I used Centennial and Amarillo. So it was uh, when I posted yesterday saying I want to brew, but I don't know what the hell to brew, and got some really good suggestions. I ended up doing yours because there, there's the that first, black IPA. 
Yeah, his was like seventy-five uh, percent. Like really intrigued, mostly Munich. Yeah. And then rye, and then a little bit of uh, carafa. I'm like, I want to brew that. Well, like, I, I I tuned in first and made, give you a recipe where you didn't have to think about it. So we'll yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't actually have I didn't have enough flaked rice, so I just used some minute rice in it. So we'll and, see and I think that's the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, people use flaked. People use Quaker oats as like you know flaked oats. It's the same thing. Yeah. yeah do, the, do you have to do a cereal mash on the rice on the Quaker? No, because I, I okay. bought the I bought the minute, but I did a protein rest. Okay. So that kind of that kind of mimicked it, you know, the cereal mash, and then I did decoct it too with the rice and everything in it. So, so some of the rice actually got boiled. That uh, sounds. But delicious. my my numbers came out money, so I converted sugar. You know what I mean? Uh, totally. That's all. That's all you care about. Yeah, I can't wait to try it. Mm-hmm. Um, suck. So Jordan, I'll, 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 we'll, we'll go into it for like a couple minutes at the end of the episode. Yeah, the other yeah. thing I wanted to bring up with regards to like bottling and packaging beer um, out of a keg is the uh, is like counter pressure bottle filling. Um, so something newer on the market as of like a couple of years ago is uh it's called a tap cooler like have you guys heard of that or seen heard it? Of it i haven't really looked into it much um i think i think brandon edwards has one and i have i have a couple because i i keep them i keep my sour one and my normal one separate just because i'm a big baby like that but uh um essentially the idea is that when you uh, bottle your beer you can bottle it right off the tap and i'm going to share my screen again for a second here you hook this device up and it goes right into your faucet it only works with forward ceiling faucets as of right now because that's just the way that the um the, the, the top here that's that's the only kind of thing it right. fits in. Yep. Yep. um you're the one you, i heard that heard this about from yeah yep. so uh you put co2 on the end over here uh, this one's barbed but you can also get like a quick disconnect uh piece so you can just kind of uh pop a co2 tank right into it and not have to deal with like this barb connection um the other side of it has this uh spring-loaded uh piece with a, a little gasket on the end so you can control how much gas is being let out of the the filler uh, so the more open it is the more gas is released the faster the beer flows out of the faucet so the idea is that you uh, stick your beer uh, onto this piece right here and uh, purge it with gas just like you would with a beer gun um, so maybe give it like a good three seconds of gas or something like that and you just pop the yep yeah the yeah oh. yeah you you give it some pressure and put it up against this rubber piece on the top here oh, okay. and you form a seal and so then what I do is that I then uh, pressurize the bottle up into roughly the point like that my keg is pressurized to, um, or, you know, maybe not that high, but you give it some pressure inside the bottle and then you open up your faucet. And because the pressure is pretty much the same in the bottle as it is in your keg, the beer flows into your bottle at a really, you know, pretty slow rate. You're not getting any foaming. And then it starts to displace the gas that then goes out the uh, oh. sort of PRV area over here. Um, so it gets to the top. You kind of pull it off. It kind of gives this, you know, pop, a uh, little fizzy thing. Um, you can top off the bottle with a little bit of beer and you can make it foam a little bit so that you're capping on foam. And then you just cap it right off. Um, 
and and using one of these, you don't even have to take your beer off the uh, off your faucet or off the uh, out of your you know keyser or kegerator or whatever. You can just like stick this thing right up into a faucet and and bottle right off of it. So, um, again, just like the beer gun, you need a separate CO two tank, but uh, they're really awesome and they're cheaper than a beer gun. Uh, beer guns are like two hundred dollars and these things are like eighty. So. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Cost effective um, and pretty much the same concept. It's better than a beer gun. In my, so I used to have a beer gun, and I like I loved my beer gun, um, but I still have I I never got the same level of um, uh, I don't know beer waste. Like the the foaming is just almost non-existent. Uh, with these things it's like it's like how i don't know if you've ever been to bells and watch how they fill up their growlers or at least how they used to um i'm pretty sure they use counter pressure filling for their growlers too i've it actually just, never seen it believe it or not it, it just they slowly fill up the bottles from the bottom up <laughs> i guess it's the only way to fill up a growler but uh, <laughs> if, if somebody can fill a growler from the the top down that's pretty fucking amazing but uh, no it's uh well, and and that, and anything that like this definitely seems like a better setup. My my biggest bitch about bottling for competitions is it never tastes as good out of the bottle that I bottle as it does off tap, and it, um, it's and it's like it's disappointing because like man, how if these if I could just bring a growler to these people, mm-hmm. like fill up a growler and hand it to them. And have yep. a taste it a half hour later, then the feedback would be better. You know what you is, get, you know. Yeah. And that's that's my biggest bitch about competitions, man. Is just the the learning curve of getting back into bottling. And this thing, this thing's pretty cool. Um, I don't know if it would work with my Perlix. It would. Yeah, it should. Yeah, yeah. Perlix yep. are two Perlix are forward ceiling. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yep. As long I as they're not five hundred series, I think it has I to be six hundred. Because I bought, I bought one of those uh, growler filler things. They're supposed to fit up in the faucet. Yeah, and it does not fit in them. So, oh, I think see, I, I is it is it that it doesn't fit, or is are your O rings too large? It won't go in at all. It just won't. Because I, I have, I had a very similar issue when I bought one of the growler fillers for my Perlec taps, but. I bought a slightly smaller set of O-rings for it, you know, like they, they go oh, around okay. the tap the piece that goes inside to create the seal. And uh, that worked. It seals fine. The metal piece, oh. at least, you know, because I took the O-rings off. I'm like, did I just waste my money? But I was like, oh, oh no, I've got, I've got up in there. Yeah, I was like, that's there's just plenty of room in there. So I, I just bought some smaller O-rings and huh, put idea. them on. It worked I'll have fine. To try that. I still have it. I didn't like throw it away or sell it or anything. Well, I mean, they're like what eight, nine bucks. Yeah, well, I have so. those aren't the only faucets I have. Um, I've got cheap curl ones on that trash can uh, uh, jockey box I built, and I've got some other you know cheaper ones. I just had two nicer, older Perlick faucets. I think figure I throw those on my the kegerator I built because mm-hmm. you know gotta be fancy. Absolutely. Um. There's one other option too that, and this was my original way that I filled bottles with. Um, and I've won, I won plenty of medals uh, bottling beer this way. I think my first NHC regional medal uh, was like a gold medal winning double IPA that I bottled this thing. And it's the motherfucking growler filler. 
Yep. The, the piece of tubing on a on a tap attachment. And uh, yep. honestly, I think it works great. There's two big issues that I have with it. One is that you're never, like you said, Tim, you're never going to get the same carbonation level using yep. something like this. You're, you're always going to lose a little carbonation. And yeah, two, gonna, even if you seal it, it'll be like oh, yeah. a growler. You know, yeah. where you want to yep. drink that that bitch in like a yep. week. I always oh, I always tried to over carb like my beer. I'd 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 push up push it up like you know five ten psi for a day or so beforehand, just um, you know, because when you when you're bottling on it, like I don't know if you guys did it, but I'd always pull pull uh pull my pressure down to like two psi or something inside the keg, um, to specifically just the bottle so that way i'm not getting a crap ton of foam or anything it's a real slow pour but um it helps my biggest complaint with these guys uh is that's a that's a girthy tube you know <laughs> that's you you're left with a lot of head space even if you fill that thing all the way up to the tippy top um, yeah i always had problems with foam too and a lot of waste when i was filling bottles with these like the end of the day, like I swear I would probably waste like four to six beers, like 12 ounce bottles, just off of like yep. foam and shit. I'm just trying to keep the, the level of carbonation I want. Um, but it's cheap and it works. Um, I also want to call out Gerald's uh, thing here too. He says, uh, I chill my keys at a 3234. Then I use a party tap with a spring loaded bottle filler. The cold beer holds the CO2 better and then chill the bottles. Interesting. Right. So everything cold, I'm assuming, Gerald, uh, just to prevent foam as much as you can. Um, I'm, I'm thinking that the the line or the the not the line. What am I? What's the word I'm thinking of? Anyway, the little tube for the bottle filler is maybe like so thin that foam doesn't. Uh, it's not that much of an issue. Um, hmm. Tell me if that's right, because I've thought about that before, but. Um, I've always wondered, like, what the the difference would be like, you know, having something like a, well, this is the thing, too. Um, so my beer, I, I have 10-foot lines, and I keep my keys are at close to 40. Um, when I serve my beer, I serve most of my, like, normal ales and stuff like that at maybe, like, 15, 16 PSI, which is a little high. And I have flow control taps, too. Um wow. I'm thinking most other people don't serve their beer at that high a pressure. So a lot of the issues that I have bottling stems from the way that I have my keys are set up. And I understand that uh, I'm probably not doing it right. If you're, you're, you're doing something <laughs> right, man, because you, you got, you got, a lot, you make good beer and you got a lot of metals. So. I, I, I do, I do it my way and it works, but I mean, there is no right in brewing. Let's, I mean, let's just say that, right? Like, no, 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 it works for you. Wrong. You make there's a yeah. wrong. There's yeah, a there, wrong. There are many wrongs. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> can, can I talk about that? Because that's one of my favorite things to talk about in brewing. So, what's, what's it's, wrong? It's, it's <laughs> no, it's my philosophy and and making beer. So, my philosophy is that, uh, like when you're making a beer, um. It, it's going to be perfect to start off with. So, so bear with me here. When you make a beer, it's going to be perfect. But then you either don't do things 
or you do things that can, you know, purpose or that, that can detract from the quality of the beer that slowly start deteriorating from the quality. Like, do you guys, did you guys ever watch Seinfeld? Of course. Oh yeah. So do you remember that episode when they were in the restaurant and uh, they, I think it was Jerry, he put down the pile of money and every time the server did something wrong, he deducted from the tip. Yeah. yeah. So that's how I feel brewing beer is. Um, if you package in a way that's going to expose oxygen, you're taking away a dollar. If you uh, don't pitch uh, enough yeast, you're taking away a dollar. If you're not uh, fermenting your beer at a good temperature, you're taking away a dollar. If you're not giving it you know, as much oxygen as it needs in the beginning, you're taking away a dollar. So um, my philosophy is very much like everybody can make like really amazing beer. It just, there's a lot of like small things that add up to make something amazing. Um, and it's not that you necessarily have to hit everything right. You just have to do the least amount of wrong things. Uh, well, I mean, I, I, I agree with that, but also like recipes and like, I, I've, I've been to breweries where they, they don't make beer that sucks, but nothing, they don't make a single beer that you're like, Oh, this is pretty good. Every beer is like, meh, like there's no off flavors. There's nothing yep. wrong. It's just like, oh, these guys are using the same grain bill on every beer or mm-hmm. That's using yeah. Cascade yep. for everything. Or they, this is like, this is a home brewer who didn't make the jump well to pro brewing. You know what I mean? So I agree with you. Um, but you still have to have a, a good starting point. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So like if I tried to make an IPA out of Munich 20, it would taste fucked up. If it was a smash of Munich 20, it'd be a good fucking dunkle. You know what I mean? Totally. Yep. But, I, get where, I get where you're coming from. Yeah. Well, that's, that's just, you know, basic knowledge of styles and you know, a good basis and understanding of, of what type of beer you're trying to brew. But I get, I get under, I understand what Brian's trying to say is that, you know, if that foundation foundational knowledge is there that, you know, like, okay, well, I'm going to brew a Hefeweizen and I know a Hefeweizen generally comprises of X, Y, and Z, Yeah. you know, then, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, really the, I mean, the ratios matter a little bit. Maybe the Hefeweizen was a terrible example, but, you know, you, you have numerous variations of that recipe that you can build out, yeah. you know, pretty much, you know, infinitely. But if you don't follow your post process after, you know, conversion and boil, um, you know, your brew house process, if you will, uh, I, I, I see what he's saying. Cause that's, and I'm, I, I, I'm faulty of that. Like I, I cut corners and, uh, Brian, one of the things that you said earlier is don't open your fermenter. I'm, I'm a fuck it and tinker with it kind of guy. Yeah. Used to be. Yeah. And, Stop uh, doing that. yeah, <laughs> I, I know, I know, I know. I want to, I want, I really want to, but I'm, you, you are, I'm, you I'm are the there. tilts target market. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yes. I get, am. Absolutely. Yeah. So that way I can just sit there on my phone while, you know, 1130 at night while I'm brute. You know, <laughs> shit, just yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I, I honestly, like looking back at times I've cut corners, I I can't think of a time where I I chintzied it out where I was like, oh yeah, that worked out pretty well. Like most of the time you're like, ah, oh, I shouldn't have. You know what I mean? Like you totally. look back, like, oh I oh, should have yeah. 
like the best the best loggers ever. Man, I know, I know Brandon likes to do the um, the fast logger method, which is why his uh, membership to Logger Boys is on review. But um, <laughs> oh, okay, I need but, to know. I need uh, to know what this is now. <laughs> but either, but when all the beers I make where I logger traditionally, like I like to do a week for every gravity point. So this is a fucking 9% beer. So I keg this motherfucker and I don't drink it for nine weeks. Wow. You're patient. Do you know what I mean? But wow. It's just okay. so much better. I, when okay. you rush it, when you rush the, when you rush the loggers, you're robbing you, from your future self. Yeah, exactly. Like, like yeah, that, okay. uh, that Keller beer I brought to the meeting the other day. It had uh, had a little bit of diacetyl, and it's because I didn't let it. I mean, I those are supposed it. to be drank fresh, though. They right? are, and so diacetyl is acceptable at the level that it was, but I just fucking hate it. Okay. So maybe Keller beers aren't my thing. <laughs> sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll be right back. So yeah, so I I'm like like I said, my first logger at least what i'm you know planning on is my my first logger uh, yeah. is in the fermenter now so it's uh i've got it coming down to temp uh you know fermentation uh you know uh, fermentation temperature right now um i have yet to figure out like whether or not i'm gonna try to do that uh you know the fast lagering juggle yeah or if, so, i mean i don't drink that much right now at least not as much as i used to so i may just fucking let it go i mean it's only going to be like a five and a half percent beer so well, and, five and, weeks and one nothing. thing one thing i want to make sure you do though and one of the reasons one of the basically the fast lottery method you just step up the temperature pretty fast yeah because like, you're you're going to get those clean yeast flavors early on in fermentation so you mm. you, you step up your temperatures faster i just don't do that i still i'll do primary for two weeks at logger temp so at 55 or 53 or whatever you're doing okay then i do step up so i'll go up a couple degrees every day because i don't want to like shock it because right. one thing that you're not used to we since you're an ale ale guy yep. is logger strains can produce a lot more diacetyl Yes. Yep. So you got to do that diacetyl rest. So I bring it up to, you know, eventually I'll get it up to like 68 or 70 and I'll leave it for like four or five days. And then I cold crash it. And okay. then I keg it. I don't do secondary for my loggers. I don't do secondary for anything. I was going to say, I don't, I don't do no. say like if I, even if, I, if I'm putting fruit or even the, the rare occasion I am dry hopping, I'm not doing it in the secondary. I'm just, no, no. Primary. So I just, I just, uh, I just, I used to have um, keg lids that I made for that had um, grommets for airlocks. Yeah. So I used to, I used to cold crash and then rack into that and leave that just like at like basement temp for a couple weeks to do a secondary value and fucking do that anymore. I just, I just keg it after I cold crash it. And usually I cold crash my loggers for like a week. Um, I mean, you just, it's just about being patient. I like, I like when I have a, a Pilsner and it looks like freaking Budweiser. You know what we, I mean? Right. How do we get more patience? I, I don't have it. Uh, I'm, I'm jealous. I can't, I always rush all my beers. Well, part of it, and maybe Jordan has this too, but you don't have children. Okay. So there's days. <laughs> 
there's yeah there's there's yeah. weeks where i don't even think about homebrewing because all i'm doing is like today i spent two hours standing outside my front yard watching my kids ride their bikes up and down the sidewalk because my yep. kids are pretty young so they're not allowed to like go off on their own yet they're not yeah, yeah. There. and it was just like okay like i could be doing some cellaring or um cleaning something up or whatever but no i'm hanging out here with my kids which is fine i mean I'm it's I'm not, yeah, like, yeah yeah i'm not blaming <laughs> on them but some of it's just like like it's just like oh shit i, I cold crash that that's this been in there for a week fuck you know and some of it's because i have two different um serving methods i have a i have a two tap kegger upstairs which is really easy to get to and it's awesome to have because if you've got a, a beer you're trying to get rid of you you kill it pretty fast because it's right in the dining room. Yep. Um, but then I have like seven more in the basement in a keyser. And I don't have I don't have ta- I don't have faucets down there. I just have uh picnic servers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So a lot of times when I cold crash, I'll just throw the bucket or the carboy or whatever in some of the empty space in the keyser and I just forget about it. Yeah. You know? Okay. Got it. I just I literally forget. It's not me going, okay. I'm going to cold crash this for a week. I'm going to be patient. Yeah. Days exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's just like, yeah. oh shit, that's still cold crash. And I could probably keg that. But then like, what's weird is like kegging. And we talked about bottling. I can keg a beer start to finish, clean out the keg. If I don't do the cold, the transfer, if I just do a normal rack and everything, it's like 20 minutes. Sure. Yeah. Like even yeah. like cleaning out the fermenter and everything or harvesting the yeast or whatever you're going to do with it. It's 20 minutes. And a lot of days it's just like, I don't have 20 minutes to kick a beer. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. I'm, I, I fully understand, man. I mean, my, my kids, he's just about two, two, two in about two weeks. Um, so he's a little terror, but yeah, I mean, I, I get it. Like my, the, the two ciders that I have on tap were, are from the fall. Cause yeah. like, I'm not gonna lie. Like I absolutely love homebrewing. I don't have the time to sit down and spend. Like I took today off. I brewed two beers because I haven't brewed in a while. I I was I was Jones and I was getting that itch. Yeah. Um, and uh, really want. I had my fermentation chamber up. I really wanted to try getting oh, lager yeah. into it. You know, just dump jump right into the deep end. Uh, but yeah, yeah, man, I I get it. It's it is it's kind of like a set it and forget it type thing and that's why a lot of my shit you know over the past two years or so just pretty much just sat in my kegerator for a while and but like ciders and meads and stuff that's okay you know yeah well because yeah as you said like 20 minutes like i come home with a bunch of cider and mix up the stuff together cap it off and (laughs) off it goes you know Mm -hmm. you know meads is a little more you know um uh it requires a little more attention but i mean if i've got two meads going it's not going to take much more than you know 15 20 minutes at most for me to figure out like okay well i gotta you know measure out my nutrients and you know figure out what my what my schedule's at what do i need to add today measure that stuff out dump it in give it a mix off it goes you know that's if i'm taking my time you know if i have everything pre-measured out i can just dump mix yeah. off it goes and i i brew most like especially in the last couple of years I'm, i've been doing probably closer to 80 or 90 percent lagers just because you can just kind of brew it and just like not worry about it sure you know yep. but i do have a schedule like this beer i make a i make a mybach 
usually and then use the yeast cake for this one uh, so there's a shit ton of yeast how many and generations some, have you gone i only the most i've ever gone is two oh, i'm afraid okay. of i'm afraid of like infection or you know fucking it up um did i know I, you're go ahead go no 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 it's i i know you're allowed like some people say you can go like 10 or 11 generations without any mutations but i don't know we're we're home brewers and you know at, at that point like 3470 is cheap or whatever mm-hmm. yeast you end up using for the most part i mean if you can get two batches off like a you know a a, a five dollar pack yeah yes and it's pretty good or six dollars yeah yeah but did you when uh when i was gone and did you and jordan go we'll go over what the lager boys were i know he was asking no about... we didn't really talk about the lager boys he was asking about um like the fast oh. lagering method which, oh okay yeah he was asking about that okay what's that no. what was i asking about the fast lagering method oh yeah 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 i just yeah. i just made sure i just gave him advice to make sure he does a diacetyl rest because that's easy to forget you know i think the only the only time i've and i mean it's not a true lager uh the only time i've ever tried to brew an actual lager like in what have you is uh, using some of those fake strains which isn't a true lager it's just an ale that's you know cross-dressing as a lager but at least that's my understanding i've never had a single lutra beer that i have disliked in, in that i can like ever think of but i've also never had one that i thought was like outstanding you know no like, so right. this is my problem lutra it is so clean. It is. It's boring shit. There's no character. <laughs> yeah. And this is my problem. So like, like, okay, so he, he made a Vienna, right? So your grain bill is probably mostly Vienna and some pills and maybe like a pound of Munich or something, right? Yep. Okay. Pretty much exactly. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. So when you, when yours is done, that 3470, those malts are going to just, be together in a beautiful marriage and you're going to get a little bit of that yummy spicy biscuity from the munich which munich is my favorite malt in the world and if i ever have to want to eat just eat malt it's always munich it's Mm. fucking awesome and then a little a little bit of toasty from that vienna and then pills oh it's a little bit a little bit of sweetness you know just look at all those kind of go together it'll make a nice clean you know, it'll be somewhere between a Pils and a, a Meritzen. You know, it'll be yep. an awesome beer. Mm-hmm. Lutra, you would drink it and you go, ah, Munich, ah, Vienna. You taste all of them separately. <laughs> like that's that's how I feel okay. about Lutra. Yeah, totally. It's yeah. like it doesn't, it doesn't, it just everything shines too much, and it's like, oh fuck, this like this would be way better. Like if if you like like uh, ketchup and mustard mixed together, you know, delicious yeah. corn dog. You know, <laughs> but neither it doesn't taste like either of them. So. That's kind of how I feel about Lutra. And honestly, like as long as you got temp control, making a lager, it's not that hard. You know? Sure. You just gotta do it. Like and even 3470, like you were saying, is pretty forgiving. Yeah. Like yeah. yeah. And I it still gives that nice, you know, lagery sort of like very, very light sulfur sort of like thing. Like it just it gives it just the, just that little bit of character. Yeah, that you, that you I, like expect. I said, I brewed, I brewed two beers with it. Well, three now. Yesterday I used it, and I've been very happy with it. I never really used it. Um, I used uh, um, their other lager strain, Safe Lager 23. Fucking hated it. Mm. I hate it. It just, the the finish is, 
is kind of not there and the malt just comes out too much. Just not not a fan of that. And then like white lab strains always had a shit ton of sulfur. I used to have to lager those forever to get the sulfur to like die down and stuff. So the 3470, man, I, I like it. Brandon, Brandon Edwards turned me on to that one. He's um, a, he's, he's a dry yeast master. He is. Yeah. But it's, I mean, I used it for a cold IPA yesterday. I use it for this Doppelbach. You just did it for Vienna. And I think it's going to, it, it lets the, the beer, you know, shine through, you know? Perfect. You guys make me excited. Yeah. yeah. I think it's going to be a I'm good a, beer. It's, you you said uh getting off off topic here a little bit. I mean, we're, we're at the end of the show. We, we, whatever. Um, Brian, you said you you brewed a pale ale yesterday. I did. I'm curious. I brewed one today too. What what what'd you do? So, and, and I was thinking about this the other day too. I'm like, I don't know if I've ever brewed a pale ale before. <laughs> like, it's always like IPA, double IPA, New England IPA. Like, this might be my first pale ale. So. Um, I did. I'm, I actually have the recipe still pulled up, so I'm looking at it. Um, Ten pounds of uh, two row, uh, just for Tim. A pound and a quarter of Munich. A uh, nice. a pound of torrified wheat. I've been and I've been on this torrified wheat kick lately. Instead of like carafoam. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I, I've, the last two beers I've brewed with it have just been like the head has been so like lacy and amazing. I'm just like I don't know if it's the torrified wheat, but um. I'm on the kick for now. Um, and then like a half pound of C20. So like a really light, light, light orange. It's, it's like 5.5 SRM uh, beer. Yeah, that's and then, about, uh, about where mine was. I bittered with a little bit of Cascade. Okay. Um, at 60 and 10. And then I whirlpooled with Cascade, Citroen, Mosaic. And then I'm going to dry hop with Cascade, Citroen, Mosaic. So a little, a little New World Pale Ale like little i'll, little I'll be interesting to see because i'm not i'm not gonna dry hop mine um, okay we'll have some I, juice. I uh so i i i bought a a pack of uh columbus from bells during their big sale oh yeah so i bittered with i want to say it was like 0. 0.6 ounces of mm-hmm. that um i didn't do a full hour boil i think i was only at like 40 minutes on my boil so my ibus i think for that capped out at about 50 to 55 that's, that's um, about that's where i like it i don't really it, like anything above that no I'm, I'm with you i'm with you um but then after that i did uh within whirlpool i did three ounces of calypso and mm. then two ounces of el dorado dang okay um so all that and uh you five ounces your whirlpool yeah Damn. yep 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 mm. yeah and i let that well mm. i guess that guess at a hop rest for or whatever about 170 170 degrees mm-hmm. and let that sit for about 20 minutes um and oh, yes. uh i i did this i did a very similar uh process like uh for this this is a uh uh pale ale recipe i've made a few times um that's always worked out pretty well but the uh the grain bill uh so i do five pounds pilsner uh as the main base then i do four pounds of generally i've done pale ale or just two row mm-hmm. um but this time i swapped it out for maris otter because i've nice. never used maris otter and i just fucking At all? Did anything yeah anything never used it period you're wow. kidding me yeah wow no, never done it man so, you don't make any british beers 
Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't really know, to be fair. No, oh, really? really yeah. No, I've never, I've never done a British beer. I love British beers, but I've never like ventured into that realm. Um, I want to, but yeah, I've never used Maris Otter. So I was, that was a brew day or like picking up my grains, you know, decision. I'm just like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to use Maris Otter. Like, let's, let's see. It's just adds a little extra color basically there, you know, you know, more or less. Uh, but, um, then, uh, I have one pound of white wheat in that, mm-hmm. um, eight ounces of oats and then eight ounces of honey malt. Honey malt oh. instead of instead of the C twenty. Yeah, it's yep. it's basically. Yep. I don't want. I don't, it's not the same thing, but yeah. Color yeah, it'll, it'll, close. It'll yeah. Yep. Yep. But yeah, uh, I've been. Uh, I, I I with you guys. I've been uh, kind of getting off the Kara the Kara pills, Kara foam too, and using like wheat or you know other things, and it works. And it's like you actually get sugar out of. Uh, your wheat and stuff so yeah yep. yeah and plus yeah. it adds a little flavor you know yeah. a little, little bit of backbone and that flavor there that helps support you know yeah uh, kiss. yeah the only, thing, the only thing that would make your pale ale better would be like i don't like 20 percent rye that's all it needs Dude, i, I, I had start using yeah. i have some rye down here because i bought some during that bell sale i was i was yeah i bought a shit ton of rye too that's my yeah. my favorite adjunct so Basically, I brew lagers and I brew beers of rye and everything else. I don't even fucking know. That's what I do. So I love yeah. I love rye yep. and beer. Sometimes it works out really well. Sometimes not so much. Right. What uh, what yeast are you using for your pale ale? I so again a brew day or, or you know picking up my ingredients, you know spur the moment decision. I I picked up um, oh what the fuck was it called? Cosmic Punch. Oh, oh. okay, cool. Yeah. Oh, sweet. yeah. Okay. So, so I'm, you I'm don't, do you know, do you know anything about that or no? Uh, all, all I know is that it's a, oh, I can't recall the term, but I know they, Thial- they thialized. thialized. Yes. Yeah. 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 So it's, uh, I, it's English ale yeast that they thialized. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, I, I remembered it from, and this is, you know, Michigan Brews history. Um, remembered talking to, uh, oh, his name's going to escape me, but from, from Omega. Omega. Oh, Lance. Yeah. Lance, yeah. yes. Yeah. Um, and we, we talked a bit about, you know, their their thialized strains. Um, yeah, and I saw that. I was, I was just like, uh, you know what? Like, this is, yeah, I, this is the first time I've brewed like beer and shit, maybe a year. Um, I don't, I don't know how long it's been, but I said, you know what? Fuck it. Let's. What were your, what were your hops again? Uh, so it was Columbus for bittering, then uh, Calypso and El Dorado. So okay. Calypso is lemon, lime, and pear, and El Dorado is like melon, right? Yeah, it's got pineapple. you know, the, yeah, pineapple, pineapple. pear, That's candy, uh, watermelon. I think they threw huh. in there or something like that. But so it'll yeah, be so interesting because, all... like, yeah, those stylized yeasts they like they pull. All those yummy flavors that we like and like our mosaics and citrus, they uh-huh. pull them out of like yeasts that aren't well known for that. So like Saz, Cascade, you can get some of those like super fruity flavors. So I was wondering what that yeast will pull out of your uh, um, your bittering hop. Yeah, that's oh, that's right. the one th- the one thing that's uh, oh Columbus. I, I'd have to look at yeah. what they had, but Columbus isn't like super 
Fruity, usually, uh, what is it that I bitter with? One of those clean ones, Warrior, I think it is, oh, uh, mm-hmm. that I usually bitter with. Um, at least that's oh, what I have on this recipe. Brandon said uh, Clipso has a bunch of good oils for the file nice. IVs, too. I was just yeah. going to just gonna ask. I think there's there's another one that people dry uh, not dry hop, they mash hop with. That's either Columbus or Cascade or something like that. They yeah, because the um, yeast pulls that shit out. Yeah, they're they're so the science is they're uh, gliostatically bound. Is that the word? Uh, uh, Sounds uh, right. Monoterpene alcohols. It's basically they're they're bound uh, together and not able to be released into the liquid until like a particular enzyme comes through and starts like snipping. Things like okay. like how uh, our alpha and beta amylase enzymes uh, snip like sugars into smaller sugars and release them so that our yeast yeah, can yeah, eat yeah. them. Um, these uh, this this uh, enzyme uh, that the yeast produces because it was genetically modified to do it is supposed to release these um, these uh, 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 thiols and stuff like that and make the beer like smell more amazing and taste more amazing and stuff like i think it's mostly like an aroma thing yeah um, yeah, is it? yeah, okay. yeah yeah okay yeah and um, brandon shared a thing the other day apparently omega's got a phylized version of the chico strain which i i did see that could be okay there's oh, there's styles in the mall too. too so that's and crazy i didn't even know you that. have a phylized episode with brandon edwards yeah, yeah. We need, we need he's vice president of Waterboys, I think. Oh shit, he, he deserves it. He Either deserves him or Bill, it. I haven't decided yet. <laughs> it's an appointed position. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, we're a gang. We don't have positions. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyways, yeah. So that's that's we're gonna see where that turns out. The only it's gonna be amazing. Only, only thing that kind of worries me a little bit is on the, on the packet they said uh, mentioned something about biotransformation, which I think is primarily a dry hop aspect, which I'm not going to do. And I'm personally not a huge fan of hazy beers. Like I like to see through my shit. Cosmic so. juice, hell yeah! Hey, oh, this yeah. Is, uh, the juice is loose with uh, cosmic punch. Oh shit. That's cool. Right. I wasn't gonna crack another, but I saw Brian still have a beer. So oh yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'll probably fill up again. So, uh, Jordan, biotransformation is two things, um, and and I've I've made so many fucking Reddit posts on this that it's like on the top Teach of my me. mind all the time. So, um, it's it's the transformation of like one compound to another, like uh, I think it's geraniol to like citronellol, or maybe it's vice versa. I can't remember, but so just uh hops converting one compound like into another um or it's what we just talked about the uh release of uh like monoterpene alcohols that are like uh cryostatically bound okay um, all right and then like you know converted or whatever into the vials and stuff like that so um a lot of people use the term biotransformation with regards to haze creation in new england ipas so that's the only time i've ever really heard of it so not is, the I'm, same i'm thing. learning something here it has too. nothing to do with haze creation it just happens to usually occur when like a lot of that is happening so like haze creation in sense. new england ipas is um 
it's it's like uh, I think what's it called colloidal haze that's formed from the binding of um, uh, proteins from the malt and uh, 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 fuck what am I thinking of from proteins in the malt and uh, uh, something in the hops that I'm too drunk to remember right now. Um, <laughs> I know I did just said that I like comment on this all the time, but anyway, um, it's, uh, it's basically these things forming, uh, and being in contact with each other for like, not necessarily extended periods of time, but just like, uh, in, in, in the right conditions to then form, uh, this haze that really can't be unbound. Um, so. Unless it's been kicking around in a keg for a year. (laughs) I don't know, man. Not even necessarily then, I think, honestly. like, uh, Well, I'm just thinking of like commercial New England's. Like you go somewhere like, oh, you got a New England IP and it looks like a West Coast. And you're like. I've had I've had that before where it was like, oh, this is a it was some well-known brewery. I can't recall who it was. I mean, not that I would necessarily name names, but no, you don't want to um, do that. Yeah, yeah, but anyways, yeah, it was it was someplace that they're like, oh, this is a New England IPA, and it, it came out, and I'm like, I can I can see right through this, like that's not. I mean, it's like it kind of had the flavor, but I'm like, mm. I think there's like some pH stuff. Not not to turn this into like a New England IPA episode, but like if every, you got, every episode is that's fine. <laughs> if, if you're bringing a New England IPA and you want like a a more permanent haze. I swear this was like a game changer for me. Before you pitch your yeast, lower your pH, even if you just have to estimate it, down to maybe around like 4.8, 4.9 with some like lactic okay. acid. Um, I swear I have never had more permanent thick haze as I have uh, as when I started to do that uh, to my warp before my yeast pitch uh, to the point where it? like, I don't know. I don't know the science behind it. Um I, I read like the pro brewer forums occasionally and like some of the, the brewers there, you know, have, uh, you know, they swear by it. And I was like, Oh, I'll give it a shot. You know, whatever. Damn it, Brian, you reminded me something of, I uh, reminded me of something I didn't do today. Oh no. You didn't work flock it. Did you? No, no, no. I did. That shit was crystal fucking clear. As it was <laughs> going into like that's I don't skip, I don't skip that. No. Uh, usually I test my pH. Uh, as I'm mashing, and I did not do that today, so uh, that's whatever. I did. I did all my water adjustments. I uh, did my water chemistry. You're probably good, but uh, prob- probably fine. But usually, I like to try to get did, into. Did like, you? Did you, you know, hit your numbers? Close. Then you're probably fine. Like, yeah, that's what I mean, your mash pH. That's what most both, both both uh, both came in about two points under what I was shooting for. So. Not pretty good like yeah gerald uh gerald says wheat causes the haze right and, sure uh, can it 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 provides more proteins for the polyphenols uh from the hops to bind to so totally contributes there is a uh a point where um too much wheat uh can be can, can have like negative impacts though like the proteins will start binding to each other and start falling out of solution um, which uh, uh, leaves less protein for polyphenols to bind to. So um, there is a, a point where it's too much, but like 
a pound or two is like more than enough probably so um, that's interesting because uh um bell's official hazy is a a pretty i, I guess I, it's a good drinkable beer i wouldn't like if someone was like oh i want to try a hazy ipa for the first time i wouldn't give them that one because i don't sure. think that's like which one a super uh official and uh, oh, they yeah. have the I did the kit of that one, and it was that was fifty percent wheat. So it's basically it's a weed IP. Holy shit! Wow, I didn't realize it's it was that a, high. It's not. Oh, I've got it. I saved it on my phone here. Let me see. It's at least like 40 percent pills, forty percent wheat, which like which ten percent something else. It's a good Eight? beer, but yeah, I don't think it's like a no. Easy. And maybe that's why it's not as hazy is because they use so much freaking wheat. You know? Yeah, so it's five pounds of pills, five pounds of wheat, and a pound of flaked oats. That was the grain bill for it. Okay. So super, super simple. What What are the hops in that beer? Oh, uh, it is. Um, first edition is Flame Out. Uh, Amarillo oh, Mosaic. Uh, ounce wow. of Amarillo Mosaic, half ounce of El Dorado, half ounce of Azaka. And then uh, I did it as a Whirlpool. I don't really, mm-hmm. I don't really do knockout hops. I'm with you usually. Yep. Um, but then uh, it was an ounce of Mosaic, half ounce of El Dorado at the first dry hop. And the second dry hop was an ounce of Amarillo, ounce of Citra. Also, Mazaka. So, so basically, like hops they had left over, uh, and they're just like, let's let's make a new like beer, it. and yeah, it became official. I like I, I like El Dorado. I've used the Zaka quite a bit, and I'm I'm hit or miss on it. Yeah, it's it's kind of a it's kind of an odd hop in my opinion. Yeah, I've ran into that with a few other hops too, where you're just like, yeah, it's all right. But it's got a bunch of yummy hops in it, and I want to tell you though the, you know the Bell's Homebrew Store. Those people when they put together those clone kits, they're pretty spot on. Cool. Okay. Like I I did it, and it was I finished a little lower than it was supposed to because I mashed a little too low, but uh, it tasted pretty damn pretty damn close to Bell's official. Get a uh, get your kits while you still can. Uh, I was I was in the uh, the homebrew shop a couple days ago. And I, it, it was a sad, sad. Story. Yeah, it's like they've downsized, like to basically base malt and yep. hops and yeast, right? Yep. I, I, uh, I got their very last bag of torrified wheat, and I mm. don't think they really had much else left in in the way of like specialty malts. Yeah, yeah, they didn't have. I was there Saturday, and they didn't have a whole lot. I mean, thankfully, none of the brews that I make really use anything odd. Um, during their big sale, I did pick up some of, some of the oddballs that I have yeah. used in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, like, what is it like crisp brown malt I've used? Oh, in, uh, dude, I love brown malt and porters. It's yeah. So uh, I, oh. I've done, I've done it a few times in a, uh, just, you know, just like a, a nice brown ale, um, mm-hmm. like a nut brown or something. And it's, it's oh, wonderful. Yeah. So re- I, re- I remind Remind me to bring my bag of brown malt. I think that I, it's like a one pound bag to uh, to Big Brew Day because I'm I'm like the opposite. I'm not a fan of brown. Oh malt. yeah, I I absolutely I absolutely loved it. It's um, such a particular flavor. It's it like is. special B. It it's like the special B of like mid like 
And I wouldn't ever use it for anything but like making a brown ale, like or you know that that's just me. But I I only picked up two pounds because I'm like I'll maybe in the next two years I'll probably make two brown ales. Like that's probably it. Speaking of special B, if any motherfuckers need special B, I bought. I had to buy a five pound bag to brew that fucking oh Russian Imperial God. stout. What are you oh, gonna do with that? Because nobody had nobody had special B oh, anywhere. No. Where, where did you get a five pound beer. bag even? I had to order it through like Northern Brewer. Oh no. Jeez. I don't I don't do that's one thing. I'm not a I'm not an order online guy. Yeah. I like to go to my local homebrew shop, which is what sucks about Bell's downsizing. I mean, luckily we've got uh, South, South County and Vicksburg. Yeah. yeah. But uh, for me, they're hours. I have to like, I don't know. It's tough. And, it's like and in the middle of school and shit. Yeah. Yeah, but they, will, you know, you can put together. They'll put together an order for you. You pick up in the pub, at least. You know? I was gonna go. To, I love. I love South County. Um, like, love it absolutely. It's it's I, where I'm at. It's literally like ten minutes to either spot. Um, I I prefer to go down to South County. Uh, not that I don't like bells, but driving downtown Kalamazoo can be infuriating. Yeah. Uh, only reason why I went this time is because my sister lives just north of uh, of bells by a few miles, and I was going to pick up my dog, so I was planning on going to South County. Um, so maybe I would have came out with some different choices. Uh, came out with some different beers, <laughs> but since some of my uh, some of my choices were made the day of. Uh, but yeah, they did. They did still have a lot of their, you know, specialty malts were still like seventy five percent off. They had a number of mm-hmm. yeasts mm-hmm. still. Um, I picked up five or six packs of, um, shit, Safale's wheat ale. Oh, okay. I can't remember. Oh. Can't remember what it is, but I mean. It's at like a dollar seventy-five or some shit like that generally, and they had it seventy-five percent off. So I'm like, oh, I'll pick up a few of them. It's like a dollar. Yeah, <laughs> it lasts for freezer. a year. Yeah, I yeah. I just hope that they're 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 switching to a specific distributor, and they're not going to carry breeze I, and okay. muttons. Okay, and that's what I'm hoping. It's that would not be that nice. It's not that they're totally shutting out because, okay. I mean. I know how you Kalamazoo fuckers are. <laughs> like a lot of people are going to go, I'm not going to Vicksburg. I'm ordering online. That's what they're going to do. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, I have, I'm, I live in bumfuck to watch it. I will, I will drive to Vicksburg, so I, but, I, but I know. I have to I drive everywhere yeah, I anywhere. I, if I want groceries, I have to drive a half an hour. You know, if I don't want to pay for family fair prices, you know what I mean? I have, I have like, order online twice for brewing, for brewing stuff. And both times is because Jason bought out all the fucking dextrose in the county. <laughs> so, <laughs> I bought a shit ton of dextrose for a dollar pound from uh, from Bell's in the sale. Brandon and I, I think we bought all the dry malt extract that they had. Yeah, I, I should have got in on that too. Yeah, yeah I should have should have yeah. done it. I'm sitting on like twelve or fifteen pounds in the basement right now. Oh, Jeff's got some inside. Oh. Info. oh. All right, thanks, Jeff. So, uh, Bell's Homebrew Stock will be back in a few months. Okay, so they're hey. they're selling out of what they have right now, maybe, and then consolidating and, and maybe getting in uh, very specific stuff. So go get yeah. go get your cheap shit while you can. 
you know, pick up some weird stuff and, Jeff, and that, use it. You don't know how good that makes me feel. Uh, that's very, yeah. not, not that I don't, not that I don't want to support Dane because like he's my homebrew shop of choice when, when I can get out there, but like shit, if I need like a, a pack of yeast, like <laughs> brand has got all the golden light DME. <laughs> yeah. Well, what, uh, what do you guys think? Anything more on kegging, bottling, any other good shit? We're running on two hours. I don't want to, Take no. any more your time, no. or no? I'm, I think I think I'm we good. covered it all. Um, bottling sucks, kegging rules. Yeah, so but you always got a bottle. You do. Always <laughs> have to, you're never gonna get away from bottling. And and again, I highly encourage entering competitions. We bitched about Sicilianos a little bit tonight. The feedback may not be perfect, but uh, I think it's that still feedback. No, it's and, still and feedback. I, and I want to make uh, sure, like, yeah, you get, you get feedback. And I'm gonna get a medal. Yep. In the mail. Well, actually, no. Ron got it for us. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and I actually emailed Steve back and said thanks for doing this. Like we appreciate it. his Siciliano's homebrew store is fucking awesome. Yep. Um, like they have they have extract on tap. It's not going to be Steve for much longer. Uh, no, they're still selling it, right? Yep. But still, I, the new owners say they're not going to change a whole lot, and uh, they're young and they seem cool. So uh, TBD. You know. But they got an awesome bottle shop there too. So I mean it's a good spot. So um Tim and myself and I think like nine others are also part of a group right now that are working on getting BJCP certified. Um we are working on creating a sort of uh group in southwest Michigan um that will uh be able to like serve maybe the the greater area and judging a little bit better than like what's going on right now um, yeah i i think that have i missed something on that oh uh, yeah you weren't at the meeting oh yeah maybe you did. I'll, I'll, I'll talk right. to you about it later jordan was was it in okay yeah yep we have we haven't actually done anything yet so it's no and i haven't even taken the online test yet i'm still so i i can't take i get to work like two and a half hours early every day and i can't do anything on bjcp because it gets blocked yeah. with the filters with the beer stuff cool. so yeah, super helpful yeah so i have to take it at home okay. and then i've got you know all this stuff going on usually okay. so. but if anybody is listening and they're in southwest michigan and they're not in our homebrew club um hit us up uh michigan brews and and i'll invite you to the group uh we're focusing right now on getting everybody oh. past the online exam and then we have uh, we've had two national plus judges uh, volunteer to hold tasting exams for us sometime in the next year, mm -hmm. um, so we don't have to drive down to like Cleveland, Ohio, or something like that to take an exam. We can do it, you know, somewhere in the Southwest Michigan area. So, Damn. when was the meeting? It was at the uh, Brewery Outre uh, two months, two meetings ago. Oh, uh, yeah. I might have posted about it on on uh, the keepers page too, but don't worry about it. Well, I'll I'll talk to you about it. Uh, but yeah, the the logic is uh, if you don't want shitty feedback, then go out there and do a good job, judge yeah, yeah, it, exactly. beer, and then yep, it comes yep. around. Yep, just like the, jury duty. Don't the, turn down jury duty. Don't act racist because man. you need someone on your jury someday to not suck. <laughs> there we go. Words to live yep. by from. Tim Wicklund, Lager Boys. And you know, the, the more people that we give good feedback to, they're going to start making better beer. They're mm -hmm. going to want to, like you said, they're going to want to maybe judge someday. Um, 
and, and really the whole homebrew community in general is going to grow. Like I want to see like national homebrew competition, like national winners being like 50% Michigan brewers, you know, one day or something. Oh, like that. Yeah. I, I want to fucking like be a virus of like good beer, like feedback and, to just and spread the market. The state. Yeah. So, well, um, and you know, you know, talking about our Sassano sheets, one of my sheets was a BJCP judge and another mm-hmm. one was not, not at all. Mm-hmm. So who knows who it was? It could, it, it was a volunteer because yep. they, they didn't have enough people. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? Totally. And yeah. someone who was not trained and, you know, took and, and that, points for something they're not supposed to because they didn't know. You and know this I mean? isn't saying that BJCP trained judges have like great palettes or anything like that, but there is a certain standard for the way that feedback is given Yes, that really makes it more helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you don't get feedback that's like, you know, <laughs> was this you? Somebody got feedback today that was like, good beer, but not great. It was uh, good, but nothing about it is great. There's nothing fucking helpful about that. I know. So, like the whole point is like, how can my beer be better? And yes. and both yep. my sheets, like I agree with some of the comments and stuff, but there wasn't a single thing on my sheets that made me think, oh, I need to tweak this. You know what I mean? Yep. And so, see, that's that's a little bit of a problem with, uh, you know, for the competitions too. And maybe the competition organizers need to help, you know, hammer this back as well. Because if a competition, if you, like, if I submit to a competition and I don't get good feedback, I'm less inclined to enter that in the future. But the you competition know? organizers, unless they're BJCP certified themselves, don't understand that. So... Well, I mean, maybe it's just an awareness thing. Like, it is. They don't it totally necessarily is. have to be, uh, you know, BJCP certified, but they could just be aware of the fact of the, um, you know, feedback standards and help ensure that they're getting people who are going to give that feedback properly about the beer. In, yeah, in, in the end, though, judges out there. yeah, I was yeah. gonna say, in the end, though, the best way to to counter it is just to flood the market with people that that they'll give preference to. Because yeah. so, yeah. I, I I don't know I don't think my palate's amazing, but mine either. But I can I know that I'm confident that if I learn the if I learn the the method that I could drink a beer, someone's got a a Schwarz beer, and I could give them comments based on the style guidelines and be like, oh yeah, this seems a little too roasty or or whatever. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like mm-hmm. maybe back off your roasted malts or whatever. Yep. Or your dark malts. I could do that. And then they could take their beer and tweak it a little bit and make it better. And and a lot of it comes from experience too of brewing beer. Like, oh yeah, I made a beer that tasted like this once and I'm pretty sure it's because I did this, Mm -hmm. you know, too. And I think we're probably honestly one of the most actively brewing homebrew clubs in Michigan right now. Like we're homebrew club of the year in Michigan, you know, as of last year. But I feel like in terms of members actively pumping out beers, we're really really active yeah we have we have a lot of brewers making a lot of beer and not a lot of clubs are like that yeah i got i I feel like brandon's probably up to bash like 27 by now yeah for 2022 (laughs) i remember my years like that before i had a kid i you know what though i i've got two kids man and i've done i did my eighth batch yesterday in, in April, I'll, I'll, brewed, I'll get there. Right I brewed by... 24 last year. I think I brewed 30 the year before, but I was also mm-hmm. uh, off 
three months early last year or two years how, ago because how, how old are your kids uh six and four okay all right yeah that would make that, that, that you know sense. you just gotta make it and my kids they're they've, they've grown up around it so whenever yep. the beer they're out in the backyard on the swing set or whatever That's, you know hanging out i'm i'm just i'm i'm chalking it up to you know being a new parent where we're both kind of settling into how to hold on to our hobbies while while yeah, we're raising a kid. I know it's yeah. it's a tough balance, but also like for me, a lot of times I get inspired. Like I'll have a beer somewhere. Like uh, we were in Denver and we went to Great Divide. They brew Yeti. They're yeah yeah they're yeah yeah yeah. Out, and they had a Bananas Foster uh, variant of it, and Connie loved it. And I was like, I was kind of man. I'm not a rum cinnamon kind of guy. You know, but like she's gonna brew, she's gonna try to brew it, and we're gonna Perfect. figure out how to add cool. banana and cinnamon and rum to a beer without fucking it up. You know, so, so she's I'll, inspired I'll, because of that beer. You know, on that aspect, I'm gonna go uh, again. Uh, you know, I've drank, so I'm going on tangents. But um, <laughs> you guys being out in Colorado, did the altitude hit you guys hard? When so it did. We uh, we drank a shit ton of water. Um, we also walked a lot. So the second day we were up there, we walked about 11 miles. Yeah. yeah. We were just walking everywhere. Um, it did hit us, but we were all right. Uh, there was one day where we started drinking at seven 30 in the morning oh, shit. and got home, got back to the hotel at 11. So wow. we, we were out all day. We started with, uh, some bloody Mary's for breakfast at a spot. And, yeah. Maybe um, it was just like, I guess. So my, my thing is like that. My wife and I uh, honeymooned out in Colorado, and I remember our second day out there, we went out to a brewery in Colorado Springs. The name's escaping me because I was yeah. drunk as shit by the time we left that place, <laughs> and I only had three beers, like, uh, and they were like three five percenters. Uh, I don't know what <laughs> happened, but like Andrea had yeah. two beers and she's like, I'm okay. I'll, I'll drive home. And I'm like, I can't walk. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't so we, know didn't, what we didn't have a car. So we just walked everywhere or, you know, Lyft or Uber. And yeah. we just, like I said, I drank a glass of water with every pint mm-hmm. the whole time I was there. And it really helped. No, I gained 10 pounds in four days. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it, it could have been, I was retaining water. I don't know. But uh, the, the people always talk about the mountains and stuff. We weren't, we didn't have any problems really in Colorado or in Denver, but we went up in the mountains on one day and we were like hiking. It was insane. Like, you're just like, you feel like a, it was almost like I was having an asthma attack. Oh, like, yeah. Like, I just yep. felt like my lungs were like, and they're burning. And it, what was crazy is my wife and I are both in pretty good cardio shape right now. So we were like, right after we were fine. You know what I mean? Yep. Well, it's just it, they they got more red blood cells, more hemoglobin than you do to carry around oxygen. Since oh, yeah. they live at such high such high altitude. But my wife and I had the same problem as we hiked up to uh, it was a place called Sky Pond. It was like okay. a seven mile hike one way. Oh, um, no. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. it was rough. It took a it took us about ten and a half hours uh, to go there and back. Um. But like, it shit, awful. You, shit, it, no, it was gorgeous. It was wonderful. But I shit you not, like three quarters of the way there, uh, and we started at like seven a.m. Um, and it had taken us. This is probably like 
11 o'clock or something like that, like three quarters of the way there. Cause we stopped at a few different yeah. spots and whatnot. This 80 year old woman just comes fucking huffing right by us. And like she, <laughs> she stops at the rocks right next, you know, just a little ways from us. And we we're like crawling up to her and we're just like sitting here like, how are you doing this? She's like, oh, I've been living here for like 60 years. I'm like, how old are you? She's like, I'm 82 this year. I'm like, what? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and like, she was there for like five minutes and then up she went and off she goes. So I'm like, I don't like, we're, we're not even in our thirties. Just like, oh. That's awesome. it was, yeah, it was, it was amazing, but it was also kind of like, felt made me feel like I just was not in shape, but that's what it well, is. Sobering. It's, yeah. 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 Yeah, we went up to went up to the Red Rocks Amphitheater and hiked that, and Hell there's yeah. people like doing fucking burpees and shit on it, and we're like <laughs> just like yeah. walking. That's yep. crazy. Yep. But I want to tell you, the beer was good, but I think the highlight of the trip was there's two Voodoo Donuts right in downtown, and there's two now. There's two. There's one on Colfax, and there's one on South Broadway, south of uh, downtown a little ways. I think but... when we were there, there was only the one on Colfax. Yeah, we went to both of them. That's oh, how good yeah. we were. And oh, I want to yeah. tell you, Sweetwater's donuts are good, but oh my booty donuts, man! <laughs> and they were like the next. We bought an extra donut and had it in the morning, and it mm. still tasted fresh. Just, it was like, yeah, that's money. Mm. That's probably where three of my four ten pounds came from. <laughs> All right, I got. I'll stop detracting. I got. I got nothing left. We're we're two hours and almost fifteen minutes in. Yeah, that was a long one. Well, appreciate yeah. you uh, you joining us, Tim. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, let me just uh, quick plug. If anybody in the Keepers of Craft Club, this is not for anybody who's not in the club, wants to be in uh, in the Logger Boys. Just step up your logger game. 25% is the threshold. You can be in. We're like the NWO right. Wolfpack. Okay. Okay. Is that, is that like when they're red or white? Oh, red and black. Red and black. Is that okay? Yeah. I, I, I really want Shannon to make us some of those KOC shirts, but have it be a red print Ooh. and then have logger boys on the back. Oh, okay. Say, okay. Can we get hats or something she, like she that? Like still be listening. We'll, we'll figure it out. <laughs> Obviously, I just know we need tank tops for uh, homebrew fest. I'm, I'm, fuck. Fucking, I'll, I'm all for it. I'm going to have to lose some moves here before I can. You can do it. I want to, I, I need to do that because I got to show off my new tat. So, Ooh, hey, Transformers. I also, still want to yeah. call you out, Tim. Thank you for, uh, uh, repping that shirt it's been hiding oh, yeah. below the cam but yeah. he's, he's repping yeah. a michigan Brew shirt tonight so yep. thank you for that. i love the shirt it's actually super comfy sweet so, yeah well everyone uh thank you for joining us tonight i don't think we're having an episode next week but the week after will be a recap episode <laughs> for our uh <laughs> for uh the keepers big brew day uh brew off so um at the very least like it'll probably be me jason and jordan uh provided we're all in town and hopefully maybe we can have a few other keepers and and uh and tim you're more than definitely welcome back and uh we'll try to figure it out um not sure about the week after that um some near sometime near the end of may we're gonna have a, a recap episode for the second big brew day uh that we talked about earlier where we're going to rochester mills um and then we have uh, some guests and other stuff scheduled for like June and July. So uh, 
yeah appreciate everybody that's still hanging out with us uh talking tim i appreciate you here hey, if you're watching this me. uh on, on youtube like please like like and subscribe and if you're listening to us on a podcast uh, please go ahead and give us a rating even if you think we suck we'll appreciate the feedback regardless and if you think we're awesome then the higher scores help us get found um on the podcast software and more people can listen to our beautiful voices so Mm. Hey, I'm gonna rate this podcast. This podcast is good, but nothing about it is great. That, yeah, that's <laughs> that, that. That is sure. yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, uh, thank you again, and everybody have a good night. And, uh, we'll catch you later.